Hi, I'm David Clark, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. everybody and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, the East Fife and Scottish Football Podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Lee Gillis. And we've got another patch show in store for you this week. We're going to be picking over the bones of East Fife's first league point of the season, two-all draw with Montrose on Saturday afternoon at Bayview. We're also going to hear from assistant manager Tony McMinn both his post-game thoughts and an in-depth chat we had with him during the week. And we just have some general Scottish football chat and empty our mailbag as well. But before we get into all that, Lee, let everyone know who this week's sponsor is. And it's the same as the, the last couple of weeks, our good friend Gordon Henderson, who joins us tonight for the Five Fan Zone. So thanks again for your continued support, Gordon. Yeah, and talking of the Five Fan Zone, for anyone that's thinking, what the hell's Five Fan Zone? That's what we've decided to call our East Five TV section, as it was previously known, since A, we're not on TV, and B, it wasn't a great name and sounds too much like East Five TV. So just to, to stop any confusion, we threw it out on Twitter, had a, a few good suggestions. Five Fan Zone it was, Lee, and I like that. Yeah, I'm sure that was, I think it was Scott Young, so we're going to have to give him some kudos. Normally I like to give him pelters, but yep, thanks for all your suggestions, and we wanted something that was good, and we've got a bit of alliteration in there. So Yeah, I like my alliteration. So because we're going to be be talking to four guys tonight on the Five Fan Zone, we're not going to delve too much into the game off the bat. We'll kind of let our our chat and that do all the talking, but there, there is a couple of things just to kind of cover that, that we probably won't cover during the, the five fan zone. Just what were your overall thoughts of the game, Lee? I'll be honest with you. I, th- I thought that a draw was probably a fair result, although I kind of feel that, that Montrose were maybe slightly the better side. I, I'm, I'm really concerned with the, the middle of the park and and as you'll hear me going to say in the, the five fan zone section, the left-hand side of the park. I, I, Scott Agnew was unusually quiet today. Um, which for one of our better players was pretty disappointing, and also Danny Danny Swanson as well, who just he just looked totally out of sorts today. And a player that I would really be looking for us to to be able to turn to and pick the game up by the scruff of the neck. He just looked yeah out, out of sorts today. I don't know if he's maybe not fully fit because he's, he's missed the last couple of games through injury. So there could potentially be that. We don't know. Um, we were a bit short today, so maybe if we had a, a fuller squad, he, he would have maybe opted not to play, but he's decided to play through the pain barrier. But I suppose we don't know. I know he's carrying a slight groin strain. So fingers crossed that we could um, get Danny performing the way that we know he can. And of course, we've got to talk about the goals. You know, Jack Hamilton's Thunderbolt was absolutely outstanding, but 
you know, Kevin Smith's goal as well. You, you've got to stand up and applaud that because, you know, to flick the ball over the, the first boy's head and then just be able to dink the keeper as well, just complete composure and, you know, his experience just oozed throughout that goal. So, nah, disappointing result, but probably a fair one. Yeah, when it was 2-0 after those two goals, it's like you're kind of in dreamland and you're thinking, oh, fantastic. I'll be honest, though, as soon as Montrose pulled one back, I thought we're in trouble here. It just felt with previous meetings with Montrose, they just seem to have our number. I said it on last week's show. It's a team we struggle against. We can do so well against the top teams. And then Montrose, for whatever reason, we just struggle to get past them. Yeah, I mean, look, I said that in a, in a previous show as well. I think Stuart Petrie is a top manager and, and what he's done with Montrose is very, very sort of reminiscent to what, you know, Gary Naismith, Dan Young did with us, you know, brought us from the, the sort of doldrums of the game up to the division and then, you know, ultimately like what Darren's done with us has got us challenging towards the top end of the table. So they're a team that I, I didn't feel that we had any right to beat. You know, I don't think that they're much, you know, different to what we are. I think on an individual by individual basis we probably got the better squad but you know it, it it didn't work for us today and very seldomly does against Montrose. One thing I want to ask you just to I don't know if you know 100% but just to kind of clarify because we've kind of talked to to people over the last couple of weeks that's kind of mentioned this are we only allowed 10 players still at a time to train together? I believe so I don't think that the the guidelines on that's changed. Because if that's the case when you've got a makeshift team like we did today the chemistry is going to be missing because those guys haven't really been training together because you've probably got your first your first choice guys, then you've got your second choice guys. Now we've got a mishmash of the two and I think that would maybe maybe explain how some of the, the misunderstandings today, some of the misplaced passes, some of the, the passes that they were maybe expecting someone to make a run and they didn't make a run, that could explain a lot. Yeah, it could. Um, but, you know, we're in no different position than anybody else with, with the training situation. So I don't think that we could use that as an excuse, maybe as much as we'd like to. Um, I, I think that, you know, a lot of our guys need to give themselves a shake. I, I felt, you know, today we were, we were a bit lazy. Um, I kind of felt like once we gave permission away, we were too busy to sit down and maybe throw our hands in there rather than get up and win the ball back that we've lost. So... I think that the Darren and, and Tony have definitely got their work cut out for them, but in, in those two guys, I've, I've got a lot of respect and a lot of trust in, in their ability. So, um, yeah. The stream today had a, a few problems at the start. Obviously, this is the first one that all season ticket holders could have their virtual access. It was annoying for the first five or ten minutes, let's not sugarcoat it, but fair play at the club, they managed to solve whatever was causing it early on and then after that it, it was smooth as anything and also I this is the the first stream I've watched in the year I just want to to thank a mysterious anonymous donor that has paid for my stream for the season thanks to somebody for for paying for it for the year so I will be watching the game so I am actually going to know what I'm talking about now on the show instead of just going by by Twitter stuff so it was good to see that and it, I thought after the first 10 minutes, it was top quality. It was excellent stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, let's not get away from it and, and, and sugarcoat it. The, the first 10 minutes was really, really frustrating. Lots of sound issues. You know, I, I felt I was a bit disappointed at the start because of the, the club interviewed legend himself, Greg McDonald. And I really wanted to hear what he had to say, but couldn't hear him. And then they spoke a bit to him at, at half time. 
couldn't hear him. So a bit frustrating, you know. But, you know, it is early days. I know these guys are, are volunteers and, and they're working as best as they can with the tools that they've got. But if you're a Montrose fan or if you're a, a maybe casual fan, um, that's like, oh, I'll just, I'll buy these five game the day or whatever. That sort of quality is enough to maybe go, I'm not going to pay £12.50 for that again. I only got well, eight minutes of the game. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that pricing because it's £12.50 for UK viewers and for overseas viewers for pay-per-view. Obviously, season ticket holders, you've got that virtual element. Overseas viewers can, for £100, buy it for the whole season, which at twelve fifty a pop is equates to eight matches. So, I mean, that's a fantastic deal. And there may be some away coverage as well, depending if clubs allow that. I have a funny feeling they might not. But in general, for £12.50, for people around the world, whether in the UK or whatever... I think that's a bit steep for... I mean, how many folk would pay £12.50 for East Five Montrose? You might pay it for a game against Partick or Falkirk or a, a Derby, but I think that's a that's a pricing point that is going to switch a lot of people off. And I know they need to make money. I just think it's a little bit steep. Yeah, look, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, a, a point that I raised to, to Stephen Mill was what... I would ask or implore the club to do is maybe trial it at a fiver. I think if we trial it at a fiver, more people will go, oh, I'll pay a fiver for it. You know what I mean? And it might be a case uh, we'll get the quantity. So we might get an extra, you know, 20 to 30 people say watching that then maybe wouldn't have paid the £12.50. So it'll be interesting. I think that it's something that clubs should look at. I mean, you, you see just now people that are kicking off about the English Premier League charging £15 to watch one of the, the biggest leagues in the world and, and, and you're charging £12.50. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's cheaper to get into Bayern Munich um, or about the same price to get into to watch Bayern Munich. So, look, I, I, I fully understand that the club needs to make money. I thought that the 50-50 halftime draw today was brilliant. I bought two tickets. You know, I, I do want to ensure that we are putting as much money into the club as we possibly can and we've said that all along. However... My concern is that we'll put off maybe somebody that would be a casual viewer or somebody that maybe just comes down to Bayview occasionally. I'll be honest with you, if I hadn't bought my season ticket, I'd have been really, really loath to pay £12.50 for that today. Yeah, I, I certainly wasn't going to. And if we, we didn't have then buying the, the annual pass, then I I probably wouldn't have seen seen the game today. I can get into an MLS game for that price. And to kind of, even looking at that, the £100 for the season, I mean, that equates to about 170, 180 Canadian dollars. I get the zone here for 150 a year, and it's got every single Premiership game live, lots of Championship games, all the the Europa League and the Champions League, and it's got like other sports as well. So I get all the darts, I get boxing, I get snooker, cricket, NFL for 150. So a hundred pounds or 170 dollars. It's tough because obviously this is a niche market. It's and they, they need to make money. I, I read an interesting thing for some reason. This came up on my Facebook this week as I, I should read this. Chesterfield in England, they need to sell five hundred streams to actually break even. And in one of the games, they'd only sold four hundred and seventy. I don't know what kind of expense they're going to to, to have to sell five hundred, but that kind of put, puts it in how much these clubs are struggling just now. And you, you look at the Highland League that I've said, look, there's not even any point in us playing 
the fans aren't going to be there. We're not going to make enough money from other things. So they've put their season on hold till the end of November and you have to feel there could be doubts that there's even a season there. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I, I think that there's a, a very high chance that the football season is going to be curtailed at some point. Um, and I know that obviously there's been talks about what they're going to do um, should that situation arise. I think, look, we, we could only just take it in a, a game-by-game basis, but it would be interesting to hear that the, the club's sort of stance on, on why the, the, the price per stream was, was as high. I think that they've, they've got to worry that there'll obviously be people that are breaking rules and they'll, they'll say, right, okay, you know, you pay the £12.50 for the game, I'll come round and I'll give you six quid. Mm. But if they had it at, you know, six quid each or six quid a stream, then people would maybe be more likely to go, oh, I'll just stay in my house and watch it at six quid. But then obviously you've got the risk of saying, well, I'll come round to yours and we'll have it call it three quid each. So it's trying to find that happy medium. Yeah. But I don't think that £12.50 is the right price. Well, the other thing as well is that like, you can get VPNs to say that you're not in the country as well, which I guess is why they've now put the price up for the overseas thing. I mean, I don't want the club to feel that we're having a massive go at them here. I just think to get the most business in, it's not a great price point. They're kind of stuck with it now, though, because if you've sold £100 things for a season for overseas things, you can't, then can't really drop the price because you've been ba- better buying it on a pay-per-view basis. Anyway, let's move on from that. So we're going to get to Fife Fan Zone pretty soon. But before we do that, Lee, you got a chance to, to speak to assistant manager Tony McMinn after the game. Yeah, I managed to have a, a, a quick word with Tony. I, I didn't manage to, to have it in person, so um, he was very kindly agreed to, to have a quick chat with me over the phone. Here he is this week with um, a little bit of his post-match thoughts, and, and I wonder if you guys can hear the, the similar tones of disappointment from his voice that I've managed to pick up. But here is himself, an, another open and honest interview with Tony McMahon. I kind of felt the game was very end-to-end. And I don't think any team had much control over it. They could possibly have been ahead before we we get our goals. They give us a lift um, and then we, we let them back in the game. Um, we, didn't, we didn't exert any control over it um, at all throughout the game. They've got apparently got back in it to each, and then we went on again and had, you know, possibly three or four chances towards the end to win it. But we're disappointed. Um, we we can do better. We can work harder. We can be more organised um, off the ball. Um, but going forward, I thought the front two especially looked a threat. Yeah, definitely agree about the the front two and, and two excellent goals. I mean, Jack Hamilton and Kevin Smith stating early claims for goal of the season. I think that, yeah, I think you're probably bang on. There's one of the words that he used there, we could work a little bit harder. I thought that particularly in the middle of the park today that our, our second balls weren't good enough, um, that we kind of, when we lost the ball, we didn't work hard enough to get it back. What would be your take on that? We had a slightly different shape in midfield, um, which suited us on the ball, um, but perhaps just didn't allow people to get back goal side quickly enough um, I just felt that you know we could have offered more kind of cover to each other defensively we could have stopped crosses a, a little bit better you know we were in positions but we didn't go and fully commit to, to stopping the cross coming in and, and things like that, that you know that's kind of where, where I'm looking at it from a, a work rate point of view Three penalties in three games um, is, a, is a bit worrying from the from the fans' perspective on the on the outside looking in. 
How do we stop that? How do we, particularly against a, a team next week in Falkirk, that are going to be very, very attacking going forward? And, and they've got a lot of good players, Anton, who we know well, Callum Morrison, you know, Lee Miller, if he, if he decides to play himself as well. So how how do we, we hold our discipline that little bit more um, to, to ensure that we're not giving away silly penalties every week? Firstly, you stop at the source. Um, the, the move leading up to the penalty today, we just shouldn't happen. We should be cutting that ball out before it even gets in the position where a defender lets the referee make a decision. Um, so it comes down to that, that defensive organisation again. Um, there's just you know just a little bit of rashness. Um, again, you know, just stand up, get the, the player going away for goal, and and just you know use common sense. Um, and that was lacking a little bit today. And finally, what can you tell us about Ryan Wallace? As fans, we were pretty surprised to see him admitted from the squad completely this week. Has he picked up a knock or, or something else? Ryan didn't train on Thursday. Um, and unfortunately, didn't make it for the game today. Um, but Kevin and Jack did well. Um, we're hoping that, that Ryan's back next week. Um, along with Dungeon, gives us a few more options. So East Fife assistant manager Tony McMinn there sharing his post-game thoughts after East Fife's 2-0 draw with Montrose today. So you've heard our thoughts. You've heard his thoughts. Let's get to the thoughts of some other supporters now as we bring you this week's Fife Fan Zone. So welcome to this week's newly named Fife Fan Zone where we've got a plethora of East Fife fans available for your viewing and listening pleasure. Hopefully viewing if we eventually decide to put it out on YouTube. But we're joined tonight by Gordon Henderson, Phil PG Charletta, Graham Donaldson and Doug Perry. So hello gents, how are we all doing? Good. Good, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why we're saying good after that performance yeah. today. but I suppose Good we did. man, good man. But like... We might be down by this, but I don't know if any of you saw the score between Venlo and Ajax <laughs> in the Dutch Eredivisie. Yeah. It was 13-0 to Ajax, and they had, I think, seven goals offside. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> All that must have been absolutely bricking it. Uh, but my fixing there, I think, surely. So, guys, 2-2 home against Montrose with a fairly makeshift team. Gordon, can you just sort of sum up the, the first half for us? I thought we played pretty well in the first half. Um, certainly the first half hour, um, it was very attacking. Um, the midfield was, like you say, pretty makeshift. Um, and we seemed to do best when we kind of bypassed it. I think we were playing... We're playing pretty long up to Jack Hamilton, and I think that that worked a lot of the time. Um, it was it was pretty scrappy, I think, from us and Montrose. Um, but two two great goals. Uh, I don't think we really deserved to be two 0 up. So two one at half time probably seemed pretty fair. But um, aye, not too bad. First half was quite good, I thought. Yeah, scrappy but solid. Pretty accurate assessment as, as far as I'm concerned. I think that Montrose looked pretty good on the counter, but in my opinion, I, th- I felt that particularly in the first half, Higgins and Watson looked like they just had everything covered. Um, they seemed to just mop up pretty much everything that Montrose threw at us. But sort of a goal out of nothing for, for Jack Hamilton, Phil. What did you make of the goal? Absolute screamer, mate. 
Absolute screamer. Um, I can't. Well, I was watching the stream and uh, I kind of glanced at the left and oh, good turn. And uh, aye, great goal. But he's banging them in, and I expect nothing less because I sponsor him, obviously. But um, he looks like he's promising. Looks like a, a good talent, and uh, perhaps, perhaps he's going to be the prolific goal scorer that East Five haven't had for a couple of seasons. Graham, what do you think in terms of so far what you've seen of Jack Hamilton? He looks to be a fairly good replacement for Anton Dowds, which, you know, when we first launched this show, we were worried where the goals were going to come from because, you know, Ryan Wallace isn't an out-and-out goal scorer. Kevin Smith, all due respect, isn't an out-and-out goal scorer. You know, how are you feeling with Jack so far? Three and three. Um, I'm oh, sorry, my dishwasher just popped open. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm feeling good about it so far. I must admit, um, last season, given the way Dowds played, I wasn't, I wasn't overly disappointed that he was going. I kind of felt like he'd kind of done his time with us, and he's—I mean, he scored today. But um, yeah, I certainly do like the look of Hamilton. I've only seen—I saw the second half of the Cowden Beast game and today, and I mean that goal today was just outstanding. I don't know about you guys, right? But see, when he took the first touch past the defender, I went, "Don't hit it!" <laughs> I actually said that out loud. I was like, "I was like, don't hit it!" And then the next minute, I went right in the top corner. I was like, nah, "We'll just shut my face in future. Just you do whatever you want, mate." I just um, like Muffet apparently with Greg right. McDonald. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. and I don't well, know about anybody else, but I thought that Greg McDonald on co-commentary today was absolutely brilliant. Right, yeah. 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 It was a bit yeah. quiet and they need to turn his mic up because he was quite muted, I felt. But I, from what he said, it was really good. No, I thought there, there, was a, sound in general. there was a nice uh, there was a nice sort of difference between him, the quiet cultured chat, and the guy commentating who sounds like he's gonna spontaneously combust anytime we get anywhere near the goal. Yeah, it's my wife my wife was listening to something on her headphones and it's like she had to go upstairs because he kept going, oh, and she couldn't hear what she was listening to. Uh, like, I'm away. So the, there was one moment where like Kevin Smith, he, we went to the box towards the end of the game and he's had a couple of chances and you knew that he'd taken it too wide and you're like, right, if he scores here, it's going to be an absolute cracker. And he missed, but the guy commentating still, as he said, about spontaneously combusting. Yeah, the, ball's in the, yeah. the ball's in the solar panels and he's still going, oh... <laughs> But I, Greg, Greg was definitely. I don't think Greg McDonald would have looked at a place on BBC Radio Scotland. I thought he was very, very insightful and articulate as well. Lee, insightful and articulate. Who? <laughs> uh, so, Someone's been yeah. doing interviews. Yeah, exactly. As he sits there with the chaviest attire on that I've ever seen in my entire life. For our listeners, Phil's wearing a camouflage zip-up Ralph Lauren jacket and what looks like a Burberry hat. Um, from 1998 to 2002 era um, and to be honest he looks like he's from Kirkcaldy and he's rocking that look fairly well we wouldn't look out of this uh, place in the stands at Starks Phil so I, I'm if, come... I, I don't think this is like I don't think you can criticise dress sense with what you're wearing I'm wearing a nice casual black hoodie and plain white North Face t-shirt I'm, I'm dressing for my age yeah you're a dad Ah, exactly. Just keep up with the dad dancing as well. You know, got to mix it up. I've got so, my Glenn Rothis FC hat on. Exactly. And the they didn't lose today. Uh, they didn't lose today, but only because their game was off. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to come to you now, Doug, and I'm going to let you talk us through uh, Kevin Smith Aldinho's goal today. Um, yeah, I actually thought it was better than Jack Hamilton's. Um, just in terms of, I, 
although it pains me, it really reminded me of Gaza's goal when he put Colin Hendry mm-hmm. in his arse and, uh, against Scotland. Just, uh, yeah, quality. The wee flick over the guy's head. Always better when the defender slips because it makes it, makes it look like he's completely taken the mick out of them. And just, yeah, just a bit of composure. A little off, stick it over the top of the goal. He was superb. Um, at that point, we're in dreamland, but obviously things change. Yeah, normally they say things can only get better, but needless to say, that didn't happen after uh, Kevin Smith's goal. I think that's where we absolutely peaked. Because if I remember right, it wasn't long after that, that, and this is what I've got on my notes, so I could be wrong. Let's talk Danny Swanson's sitter, Gordon. How? How did he miss it? That was absolute shite. Um, like the it, that was as bad as Mitch Meganson's penalty last week. It was like, um, you know, it's like a, a guy down the park. As soon as you see a sniff of goal, you you leather it and it goes, you know, so far wide of the goal. Um, it's laughable. I mean, I you know I don't want to, you don't want to be too harsh on Danny Swanson. He did, he did, um, he had a couple of chances and he, um, you know, he didn't. He, he didn't do very well with them today, but it was a, a aye. It was it was the sort of shot you you don't expect to see from a professional footballer, basically. Well, he had a good chance early on uh, as well, Graham. That an early goal there would have maybe changed the way that, that the game went. And I mean, let, let's just talk about just Danny overall. I guess just now wasn't the best performance. Obviously, he had been out because he had a knock. Do you feel maybe he just wasn't up to match fitness? It certainly looked that way, um, particularly as I mean, as the game wore on, Darn hooked him when he when he hooked him. He maybe could have done it a little bit earlier. Um, I mean, I'm like I'm like you, uh, Gordon. I don't really want to sort of slag off a professional footballer too much, but um, yeah, that to be honest, it was the first miss that stuck more in my head than the second one. Um, I think, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that that would have been that could have put a different complexion on the game. Um, had that one gone in early doors. But I, I thought there was the odd moment where him and Kevin Smith uh, linked up quite well. You could obviously tell that the two of them knew one, one another well mm. um, and knew one another's games well. There were points where that happened, but again, that kind of tended to fade as the game went on as well. Doug, do you feel like with, with his reputation, he's played in the top flight, he's played in England, folk are automatically expecting more from him? So when he does have a game like this, it kind of, I think maybe folk focusing on him a lot more. Yeah, I mean, look, for, look. First things first. It's what his second game in probably, you know, five or six months, and I did. He didn't look fit at all for me. He looked. I don't know whether it was kind of. I mean, it's hard for me to talk about someone kind of a bit away, but he looked like he uh, he wasn't at his fittest. Um, I mean. I, I, I wrote down he was very wasteful the ball, tried a lot of flicks and stuff in the wrong places and just quite frustrating. I suppose when you know that there's a guy who's got that ability uh, at a much better level than we were playing at in a game like that where we were attacking, you, that he should excel. But yeah, I just look, I think he, he seemed like a luxury today that we didn't need um, as the game went on and, and rightfully substitute probably should have been earlier. But yeah, look, I think he'll come good and I think he's. I think he's one of these guys that for every two games where he's a bit crap, he'll have one game where he, he bosses it and, and you know wins it for us. But we'll give him time. But certainly on today's, we'll we'll, we'll say he was pretty crap. 
I would say. Mm. I mean, hopefully he's going to be a bit of a streaky player and he just needs to find his feet, get a couple of goals under his belt. And yeah, maybe. Lee jumped straight into our first goal, but I want to go back and look at whether Montrose should have had a penalty. Let's no, just get no, a consensus. No. Penalty. No, no, no. A dive. Yeah, he went. He went down about two seconds after he got touched. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a dive. I think exactly as Gordon says. I think the fact that he, if he'd gone down immediately, absolutely that could have been given. But I think it was that kind of stuttered fall that breaths are just like, yeah, get up. No, I didn't think it was. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Greg McDonald thought it was either. To be yeah, it looked soft. Yeah. I think my stream must have been still flicking at that point, but uh, I don't. I don't think that was a penalty. I still think the penalty they got. I don't know if it was just a camera angle, but I still think that was a bit soft as well. And I, for the for the first one anyway, you did see Greg McDonald in commentary comments saying that was more of a penalty than the second one. So nah, a bit a bit suspect for me. Penalty for me. I. I... <laughs> I didn't really notice that it was a penalty at the time, so I didn't think it was. They, I mean, he should have buried this chance that he had. And I think then no one would have been talking about it. And I talk about missed chances with Swanson, but yeah. But then, of course, they did get their, their goal in the 32nd minute. And again, it was down our left side. Gordon, what, what did you make of the goal? It was a lovely cross and it was a nice finish, but it was just poor defending all round. Slattery at left back and also in the middle. I don't think they picked the guy up very well. I I actually missed that goal. I kind of I was texting for about five seconds and it happened. But like you say, I think we are. You know, we look a we look vulnerable down the left, and we look we do look vulnerable to crosses and set pieces, and that that has been a problem for a while. So it, you know, it didn't surprise me that we conceded that way. Um, really. Yeah, I think I was always frustrating because we're two 0 up at that point, and you're thinking we're cruising here. We're gonna get, we're, we're potentially gonna get, a, you know, a convincing win, and then bang, Montrose get the goal, and then all of a sudden it changes. But I, I'd like for me, I don't know who else would play on that left hand side. Like, what was what would be the other options? We've no other option. Um, we've absolutely no other option. I mean, if I'm, there's no doubt that Falkirk had a scout there either at the game today or going to watch that game. And then you're going to have Callum Morrison and also Anton Douds who played with us last season in that squad. If you're them, just you're, you're just going to say, look, just nail that left-hand side because Callum Morrison is just going to absolutely have slattery on toast next week. Like, there's there's no two ways about that. Um, and my solution to that next week is actually having Aaron Dunsmore on the left. And the reason why I think that is because if we double him up, where with Slattery we'll maybe just compensate for that pace a little bit and then we could have somebody else like maybe Liam Watt or something playing off the right um, I, I don't know what, what would your thoughts be on that Doug? Um, yeah look I mean we can we can kind of pussyfoot around this whole left-sided uh, we can't defend crosses thing I mean that's the major criticism of the management for me for two years now I, I, I think Dan Young's a superb manager and we'll go into better things but it's like the Arsenal holding midfielder scenario. We've been crying out for left-back for two years. And no offence to Pat Slattery, who isn't a left-back. He's never been a left-back. He's a midfielder. Um, you know, whether he's a great one or not is besides the point. 
yeah, I mean, it's it's the ball in between the centre half and him every time the winger gets in, every single time. It's so obvious and so easy to play against. But yeah, I just find it frustrating. I mean, of anything we needed to try and sign, and I'm sure they tried, but it, as I say, it's it's two years of that. I mean, there's still time. I mean, we could still hopefully bring in a loan sign in between now and the 31st, I believe. We've still got yeah. that time. We can make a loan sign in so that I, I don't think that Darren nor Tony don't know that that, that is an issue. And, and look, what Slattery maybe lacks in ability at times, he definitely makes up in heart and determination. You know, he, he, does, he does graft away, but, you know, he'll probably tell you himself he's not a left back and you know, we've tried a couple of different left-backs over pre-season. The boy Ewan McCleavy from Kilmarnock. We tried Daniel Church on loan from Celtic last year. Uh, you know, we, we touched on last week's miraculously training with, um, was with Dundee, but he's now training with Falkirk. So, I mean, we are desperate for a left-back, but who is there, really? The guy, uh, Eckersley, from Airdrie, I noticed he got released, and I did. I did think, I kind of hoped that we might go in for him. I don't know what he's doing, but um, he seemed like a decent player. Um, but you're right. There's no, especially this season when a lot of players stayed at the clubs they were. I don't think there's too many obvious. You're looking at young guys or someone who couldn't get a club. Was mostly it. Dick Campbell said last week on A View for the Terrace that you only bring in players that are better than what you've got. You know, that's that's a fundamental part of management. You know, you don't bring in somebody that's as good as, or you don't bring in somebody that's, you know, worse than, than what you've got, because otherwise you're just frittering money away. The under-20s don't look like they're going to be starting. Is it time that we just take the, the left back? I think it's the boy Cammy Dow. Um, that, that plays for our under-20s team and just say, you want to know what? Deep water, throw them in, Graham. Thanks for the shot. Um, I mean, it might be a bit of baptism of fire, but there's those two mm-hmm. League Cup games still to come in a few weeks where if the last one against Inverness, there's nothing left to play for. Is it worth chucking them in? I mean, I agree with what the guys have said. I think Pat Slattery's not a left-back. He, he definitely tries his absolute hardest. He does a great job for what he is, but he's not a left-back. Um, but as you say, the solutions that they've tried to come up with, Daniel Church, I remember last season, I was glad when Pat came back into the team. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth trying them out. Absolutely. I think we might end up having to wait until January to really address mm. it, because it's going to be too tight to try and, and do something in a week unless they've got something already lined up. I think they're the centre of the defence as well. And we've got two good centre-backs, but we need a guy in the middle of the, the defence, for me, that just wants to put his head on it, get the ball cleared, and just be a, a central defender, not want to be a ball player, just a guy that picks his man up, gets rid of the ball. Definitely. If, if you look at the two, the two centre-backs at Dumbarton, McGeever and Neil, they're just two guys like that. I mean, you know, they don't really look like they can play football. Um, and together, they're a bit vulnerable, but I always feel like we just need a guy like that. Um, just somebody that's going to get their head stuck on everything. Um, you know, I would take, I don't think they're anywhere near as good footballers as Higgins or Dunlop or Watson, but I would probably take one of those guys and stick him in the team. And, and, and if we're looking at solutions, 
obviously you've got Craig Watson that could play right back. He's another person that we could potentially look at playing left back. I think that, look, if it's me, you know, only speaking from experience of football manager, obviously, that, you know, it's maybe a time that we, we, we try something different. And I think that Craig Watson, for me, no matter you know, if, if Ross Dunlop's back next week or not, needs to start next week because I thought he was absolutely outstanding today. I think that, you know, Chris Higgins shows time and time again what a great player he is. You know, the, the spine of our team is generally good, but that, you know, the, the flank definitely is something we need to worry about. But look, we could talk about that all night. What did you make of the formation today? Because I, it took me a good... I don't know, 45 minutes to actually work out the system we were playing. So I'm like, who's playing right wing? Who's playing left wing? I thought Swanson was playing left wing. No, he's on the right now. And I, I couldn't actually figure it out. But let's, you know, let's be totally honest. Our team today was completely makeshift. We're missing a lot of the, the you know, the, the players that we could have played. Our bench was littered with boys that looked like they were, you know, sort of straight out of puberty. So I don't think there was going to be any sort of relief apart from maybe Thomas Collins coming off the bench. So, Phil, I mean, formation-wise, did you get it? Did you know what system we were trying to play? No, not really, man. Um, as I said, it looked very fluid, but it goes back to the point earlier. Um, it just never happened today in the middle of the park, and I think that was the area where, as your point today, the most the, the confusion one, the confusion was in terms of who was who was playing where. Our old manager here in Vancouver, Carl Robinson, whenever he was picked up about his formation looking like that, he would always say, oh, I don't get caught up in formations, which is an easy way to say, yeah, I don't actually know what they were doing out there. Did anyone else think it was a diamond with Agnew yeah. deep, Davidson yeah. on the right, Watt on the left, and Swanson just kind of wherever he wanted? I wrote that down, Gordon, and like Lee said, I wrote it down in the start of the second half. I was like, I'm going to write this team. And yeah, I mean, how you can have Ross, again, I thought it was so odd. You say we didn't have the players and we didn't. We didn't have the, the subs to come on really, hence it was like 63 minutes, so we made a change. But how how can you have Ross Davidson on the right side when and not sitting in the middle? You could have had Liam Watt on the right, Agnew on the left and Swanson doing whatever he did but you had to have Ross Davidson in the in the middle there he looked totally lost and like we touched on last week he's so key to let the other guys play football and it just it, I thought it was bizarre really really strange I was maybe I'm not sure if there was again if you touch on the diamond there's only one setter you've got perhaps two players there that could be the setter and then Swanson's more I'd say Swanson's more naturally on the left but it begs the question to say, why would you play the narrow diamond if you're going to be weak mm-hmm. down that left-hand side? But, you know, why not? I don't... It's a hard one, but definitely needs, you know, a change for next week. Just a, a more a formation that folk are familiar with, because as you were saying there, uh, you know, if players look lost, unorganised, then end of the day, you're getting overrun in the middle of the park. I, I think, I mean, I think one thing I will quickly say is, I mean, we've been pretty negative so far. It was a hell of a game of football. It was a great advert for League oh, One. Oh, yeah. I thought in a lot of stages we were fantastic going forward and looked really, really good. Um, I just think it's it's two unbelievably evenly matched teams and have been for two or three years now. And it was just a great game. I mean, I watched, I don't know if you watched your English shower of crap that they call the Premier League. 
you know, you've got Manu Chelsea guys getting paid billions of pounds a week, and it was utter guff, utter rubbish. And that was a superb game of football today, really, like a great game. I really so I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, that, especially towards the towards the end, it was a bit. It was refreshing to see because it was end to end at the end. Like both mm-hmm. teams were actually going for it, and there was East Five had a couple of good chances, but then again, Montrose had a couple of you know good chances, scary moments for for East Five at, at that end. So yeah, in terms of if if we were to go to that game in normal times, two two, two you've no one in the game. At least you would leave that entertained, and you've got something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, just yeah, to, to touch on the formation. Like, if we play that formation against the likes of Falkirk, against the likes of Partick, we're going to get torn apart. For for games like that, should we be maybe looking at five <clears throat> at the back, five three two, three five two, kind of protect Slattery and the centre backs a little bit? I would personally say no, I'll, I'll take that one. Um, I, I don't think that we could afford to go too defensive against any team because this this league is so tight that we've got to go for it every game. If, if we start trying to be conservative in our approach to, to, to games, no matter who we're playing against, then we're just going to be there for the taking. Every point we need, I would rather that we went out on our sword than try to scrape a nil-nil and get beat 1-0 in the 88th minute. Personally, yeah. I would rather we got beat 3 0 and went for it than, you know, scraped a 1 0 loss, but I've played Jose Mourinho football. I think going back to like the style they played against the Ray Rovers in that game, I think when they go up against Falkirks and the Partick Thistle, I think they'll revert more to that style and they mm. will go more defensive. And I think even last, when we went to Falkirk away last year, and I think it was 0 0, he played the, like more of a 4 5 1. Right. I think it was Anton Dowds up front at that point. So, I predict he's going to go for that when he start when he play Falkirk next week. I Second think game against a... Falkirk, they did the same as well. The away game, the the one in February, played it exactly the same way. Sorry, Doug. No, no, no. I, I'll, I'll end up talking too much. I, <laughs> I, I think you've got to you've got to strike a balance a wee bit, Lee. I, I totally agree with what you're saying in a lot of ways, but it reminds me of Stevie Crawford, where it was like, you know, we lost four three every game. It seemed, but it was great to watch, but. At the end of the day, we've still got to compete. And I think, I mean, there was a couple of times today I noted down where it wasn't even promising attacks and you had seven or eight players up the park. And when you lose the ball, you're getting counterattacked for fun. And especially near the end, there was some panic moments where you're like, where are our midfield? Where are the defence? They're all up top trying to score a goal. And while it's, it's good to watch as a neutral, I mean, if we'd lost that game today, you'd have been sick about, you know, just throwing away... Something, you know, I mean, just a little naive at times again for me, just in terms of that. But I think, I think there's games you've got to kind of sit in a little bit and try and counterattack or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's a bit gung ho sometimes. I was going to say, it did, it did feel that we threw away two points. I, I know it was an even game and I think a draw was a fair result, but just the way it went, being two up, it feels like you did throw away two points today. But that's uh, the point I'm going to make is is defensive and stupid mistakes three weeks in a row. You know, a penalty against Straith, a penalty against Cove, a penalty against Montrose. You know, the, the penalty cost us three points today. Last week was the, the penalty was a catalyst for a change in the game. You know, the, the fact that we, we gave one away so early, the penalty cost us the game against Straith. 
And what I'm looking for Darren and, and Tony to address in this is, is why we're letting these letting ourselves get into these positions in the first place where we're needing to make a last-ditch tackle or the, the person that's defending, whether it be Higgins, whether it be Watson, whether it be whoever, feel like they've got to make that challenge. Why is the behaviours are defensive people so erratic that we're, we're throwing away points with stupid decisions and we need to get a grip on that now I don't want us to be looking at the referee and blaming them every week because there's only so many times that you could say oh we had a crap ref last week absolutely whereas I thought that the ref today was got pretty much everything bang on yeah, apart from it was good. yeah I thought the ref was excellent today yeah, yeah good game yeah like I mean Gordon just to, to bring you in at, at this point what annoyed me watching that second half play out was it took us to lose that equaliser before we started playing. It felt like we had nothing in our tank. And then as soon as it goes to two all, all of a sudden we're a different team and we're going forward, we're creating chances. We had so many that just whizzed past, past the post in the closing minutes. Why would it take that long? Were they just sitting back, do you feel, happy with the, the 2-1 win? I think I think there was a bit of that. I think the game did change when Collins came on as well. Um, I thought yeah. Swanson had it was he didn't he didn't look fit, and I think the second half he he looked a bit uh, like a passenger. And I think Collins came on. Um, he looked quite good. He did a lot of running, and I thought he kind of he kind of put a bit of pressure back on their defence. And we did move we we moved more back to. The, the way of playing that we usually do with Agnew and Davidson in the middle uh, and Watt and Collins on the the flanks and I thought I thought that that made a difference as well it was probably a bit of a change in attitude like you say I think at 2-1 um, I mean like my feeling was um, at 2-1 I was just kind of hoping the minutes ticked down and Montrose didn't score and then maybe when they did you know, the, the players might feel they have to do something to get back in the game, but I think also the the substitution and the, the change kind of made us a bit better, uh, kind of forced them to think about us a bit more and maybe not throw so much at us. Graham, I wanted to talk to you about Scott Agnew. Um, in my opinion, our best player you know, in terms of all round, seemed to play a bit of a quarterback role today. You know, from what I looked at, he was, he was sitting, you know, probably in holding midfield, which, you know, it, he's not a roll your sleeves up and get stuck in player as Scott Agnew. He's, he's, I'm not going to go as far as saying he's a luxury player because he's an excellent footballer, but you really want him further up the park, in my opinion, to, 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 to really be playing to our, our player strengths, whether it be Smith, whether it be Hamilton, whether it be Wallace when he's available. What, what did you make Agnew today in his role? I certainly thought he was a bit quiet first half. You do usually, I've seen him not last season, you do see him on the ball an awful lot. Um, yeah, the, the, I didn't really see that much of him first half. He did seem to come into the game a bit more second half. Um, I think particularly as, um, as we were talking about uh, when Collins came on I, I, I hate to roll out a stereotype but I don't know if there's a bit of a kind of Swanson and Nagy Lampard and Gerrard kind of thing going on potentially where you've got two reasonably similar players possibly wanting to have a similar influence on the game um, I hope that's not the case but 
depends how the season pans out, I guess. But I kind of wondered if maybe they played that way first half because the sort of the, the wish was for Danny Swanson to kind of do his thing and Scott sits back. I don't know. To be honest, that's something that I never even thought about. And I think that you're absolutely bang on. There definitely could be could be elements of that, you know. Um, but equally, we don't want it to be a Paul Scholes situation where we just start throwing somebody else on no. as a makeshift player. Um, so as, as I suppose to be pick and choose, you know, what, what game's going to suit what sort of player better. But I mean, Agnew's what assistant captain, you know, he tends to captain the, the team quite a lot with, with Smith being sort of a bit part player. So it'll be interesting to see what the, what going forward the, the formation that we try to not shoehorn these guys into, but which one Darren and, and Tony feel like is going to work? I, I thought that I was trying to think about why we'd play <clears throat> that kind of diamond. And my only thought was that Swanson, they thought Swanson isn't fit enough to play wide or centre mid. And so they've just said, we don't have the bodies. Swanson's playing, he's got to play this kind of three row behind the striker and we just shoehorn in everyone else. Um, and if if that's what you're doing, maybe that's maybe that's what makes sense. I mean, in hindsight, it, it didn't work, but that was my kind of thought about that. Right, gentlemen, we're go- going to come to the, the tail end of the interview now, but I'm going to come to each of you and ask glass half full and glass half empty. Um, try and sum it up as best as you can and then get you ready for your three, two, ones. So, Doug, you're the first one that I can see that's off mute. We'll come to you for your glass half empty and your glass half full. Glass half full, I'm going to give to corners. I thought we defended corners very well today. Um, never good as an East Fife fan when they have two or three corners in injury time. And I noticed they'd sent on some form of giant uh, the number 10 looked like sort of a Peter Crouch plus a foot. I don't know who that guy was, but quite comical. Hen Brun, <laughs> Who? Hen Brun. great man. I actually genuinely thought he was called Hen Brun. Anyway, um, yeah, so I thought that was that was a very good um, moment for us. And glass half empty. Oh, I want to say Swanson. I will say a penalty gate. Stop giving away penalties. Yep, good shout. Uh, we'll come to you, PG Bruno Marschaletta. Glass half full. Um, glass half full for me will be Jack Hamilton scoring for Keep that up. That's a positive that we can build on. And glass half empty is we've not won a game yet. Accurate. Graham. Glass half full. Um, I really liked the interplay between Hamilton and Smith, particularly in the first half. How often the two of them get to play together this season, I don't know, but I thought that was a good a good one for the future, potentially. Glass half empty, still just cross balls. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a problem for a long time and it's still a problem. Gordon? Glass half full. Uh, I'll say Liam Watt today. I thought he was brilliant. Um, we've no, um, I don't think we've really mentioned him yet, but he was, he was getting forward. He was playing well. He was making tackles in our own six-yard box. Um, I thought he hasn't started the season, but I think you've you've got to stick him in the team for the next couple of games. Glass half empty. I want to say just general discipline. Uh, the last three games, three penalties conceded, two red cards. I mean, I think we've you know we seem to have kind of lose the head at times in games, and we've got to 
got to stop that. Michael? I was going to say Hamilton for glass half full, but to, to try and think of something uh, a little bit different. I, I like the way that they came back. They didn't. Their heads didn't go down. They could have thought, oh, crap, we've just given up two goals after being two up. So they put their heads down, they knuckled back, and they actually came back into the game and looked promising. So I think that's a good sign. They've got a fighting spirit. Glass half empty it has to be the defending. It's just, it's terrible. But also the fact that we've got off to a slow start. I don't expect us to take anything at Falkirk next week, which then makes the Dumbarton game massive the week after that. Just this, a slow start to the season in a shortened season where we still don't know what might happen if the season gets curtailed is very concerning to me. Fairs. Um, I'll go for glass half full. I thought that Kevin Smith and uh, Jack Hamilton up front were excellent. They, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith at the best of times. I think that he's great at bringing players into play, but for both of them to get in the, the score sheet and, and score the types of goals that they did just shows me what our ability going forward is. And look at and what's going to be an absolute surprise to nobody. Um, my glass half empty is, is our left hand side. Um, really, really concerned about that going forward, and particularly against a, a strong team next week at, at Falkirk. That you know, I'm, I'm really worried about what um, Carl Morrison is going to do to, to Pat, and I'm sure that Pat's really going to have some pretty sleepless nights next week. Um, hopefully, not as as bad as mine have been. Um, so, hope you're all ready for your three, two, ones. I'll tell you what, we'll switch it up. Michael, three to one. Oh, that was a surprise. I wasn't expecting you to come at me first. Liam Watt, three. I'm giving Brett Long, two, just because he didn't really do anything wrong and I was really struggling. I want to give Thomas Collins one. I would have really given him two, but I don't like giving a sub that's not on that long, two. But he, he changed the game a bit when he came on. So, yeah, Long, two, Collins, one. Gordon. Hi, uh, three for Liam Watt. Uh, two for Jack Hamilton, great goal. Uh, I think he got the flick on for Smith's goal as well. And one for Craig Watson, a bit of a black mark for giving away the penalty, but other than that, thought he was brilliant. PG. I'm going to go for a three for Slattery. Just because I'm getting him shit, so I want to give him a confidence booster. <laughs> two for Swanson, I'm joking, I'll start again. So three for, three for Liam Watt, um, tidy performance. Um, two for Hamilton. Great goal. And I'm going to give a number one to Kevin Smith because it was good to see him on the pitch today and it was good to see him back amongst the goals. Dick? Um, Liam Watt, three. I thought he was maybe one of his better games for us. I, I actually rate him quite highly. I thought he was very good, though. I was going to give Craig Watson two, but I'm giving him nothing because it doesn't matter how well you defend, if you do that again in a stupid place, screw you, you're getting nothing. Uh, Kevin Smith, too. Great to see him back. Great player, and I thought he was excellent. And Jack Hamilton won because he um, looks like Lewis Capaldi and he scored a great goal. <laughs> Graham? Um, I've gone for Kevin Smith for three. Um, yeah, just thought he had a really good game, um, and it's great to see him back. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Jack Hamilton, too. Um, yeah, long may he continue his scoring form. Um, and Liam Watt won. Um, yeah, I'd agree. That's probably one of his... I'm not his biggest fan, I have to admit that, but that's probably one of the best games I've seen him play for, for East Fife. 
funny how subjective football is where people are saying, oh, I really rate him. And then some people say, no, I really don't. Um, for for me, um, three points today has got to go to Jack Hamilton. I, I thought that it, he had pretty a thankless task at times. I, I don't like the fact that we seem to be playing a wee bit route one to him at times, but he's great at holding the ball up. Um, and so many times today, he, he made something out of nothing. Um, two points for me. I'm going to go Liam Watt as well, actually. I, th- I thought Liam was great today, and, and I do rate him, Graham. Um, and one point I'm going to give... I'm going to give it to Craig Watson. I'm not quite as harsh as, as Doug is. I thought that Craig was was good today. And, and apart from a, a slight mistake, you know, I, I thought it was pretty solid throughout. I'm actually so, going to change mine because I completely forgot about Jack Hamilton. So I'm going to go, I don't know why, I'm going to go with three for Watt, two for Hamilton and one for Brett Long. And let's not call giving penalties away as a, as a little mistake, please. Yes. It's costing us points. Unbelievably grossly, grossly, grossly. I thought Lee the refs are against us. He's turned the way, he's turned the refs against us. He's turned the refs against us. Look at what do we think? Falkirk next week. Um, I, I think we've still got a couple of minutes left that we could we could ask this. So, Falkirk next week predictions. We'll start with you, Doug, the the ever optimist. I, I am optimistic about this one. Um, I I don't think Falkirk are going to be as good as people think. I think well they they struggled against a, what we think will be a fairly poor four for team. I, I think we could go and do a number on them. Um, forget what I said. Let's call it attack. No, no, if we do this in a <laughs> measured way, I think, um, I mean, they've got Dowd, who's he, uh, up front. Uh, yeah, let's let's take them. I'm confident uh, that we'll get a narrow defeat. Sorry, we'll get a point, we'll get a point. Gordon? Yeah, I'm not I'm not overly convinced by Falkirk. They look pretty kind of pedestrian. Um, they didn't do much against us last year. I think if we, if we get people back, especially, I don't know what's wrong with Wallace, but if we get him back... I don't think there's there's any reason we can't go and take something. Um, aye, I think, like last season, probably low scoring, maybe a nil-nil, and I don't think there's any reason we can't go and get a win, but I'll I'll predict a, a draw. Graham? I go into most games, so I go and see, think we're going to lose, um, and then, I always, <laughs> then I'm always pleasantly surprised when we do well. Um, I think it will be a a narrow defeat, maybe a, a one 0 or a two one. As you say, there are not many goals to the two team, two teams last season either. Uh, but yeah, glass half empty there. Ah, Graham, you're not getting back, son. Well, <laughs> well, as long as we didn't give away a penalty, um, I don't know. I see that. So the last couple of years, that that team's taken a few big scalps. So to be honest, like, and I, I mean scalps that are bigger than Falkirk. So. Again, if we were to shut up, shop a bit more, played more like we did in the Rovers game, again, didn't make a couple of silly mistakes. And I wouldn't be surprised if we got a 1-0 and, and snuck a, a low-scoring uh, low game. There's nothing, I think there's, there's nothing to be scared of Falkirk and Partick Thistle. Just, just go for it, you know what I mean? Michael, two for two for yourself mm-hmm. so far. Um, don't look too smug about it, but what are you going to go for next week? Uh, 2-1 to Falkirk with Dowds getting on the score sheet. Falkirk did have their goalkeeper sent off today, so they're going to have a different goalkeeper in. That is kind of why they struggled a, a little bit. They gave away a penalty. It was an off-the-ball incident as well, which was obviously just stupidity. But I think 2-1 to 
to the Bairns as long as we can defend. If we don't, it could be 3-1, but I'll say 2-1. I'm going to go for 2-0. I think that um, I, I agree with it. He's Fife. Oh. I'm an optimist. Right. I, I honestly don't think Falkirk are, are great shakes from, from what I've seen them so far. I was watching their highlights earlier on in the week. I think that, you know, Gordon hit the nail on their head. They look a bit pedestrian. I th- the only thing that I'm concerned about is, is Callum Morrison. I think he's a great player. I'd love to have him back um, this year. But no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and remain confident. I'm going to say 2-0 to Fife. I'm going to say a Jack Hamilton double. Will it be, will it be painful, Lee, if Anton Dow was to, was to bag in a goal? Yeah, um, like I've said in the past, it's kind of like you know watching your best mate try to pull your misses in it. So it's it's never ideal viewing, but I've seen it before. So oh, sorry, um, we we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I hope I hope if he does score that he uh, he kisses the badge. I think that's important. Oh, definitely. It's important. It's important to kiss the badge and celebrate. I can't be arsed with these people that are like oh no 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 I can't celebrate. You've scored a goal. Oh, celebrate. Yeah. Like, there's no point celebrating anyway. There's nobody to celebrate to. It's fine. True. You'll just walk back to half. Oh, right. Enough. I'll also say to Lee, um, don't be confused by someone with pace. Callum Morrison was quick, but remember uh, John Martin that played for East Fife, who was yeah. the fastest man. He was faster than Usain Bolt, fact. And he was <laughs> absolute garbage. So don't be cool about that. I'm now a manager. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's a hard man too. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sure he smashed somebody with a bottle. I'm, I'm almost 100 percent sure he smashed somebody. Uh, can I tell a very, very quick thing about that? Uh, yeah, remember I, the famous we're going to get sued. No, no, no. no. Okay. Remember the famous game we beat St. Mirren at Love Street one 0 Craig O'Reilly. Yeah. I had a massive argument with fans in front of us because John Martin came off the bench to some weird standing ovation having just been freed in court for glassing someone in the face. And I was like, why the hell are we applauding this guy? Um, anyway, that's fine. But that's it. I just thought it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, to be fair, between him and Derek Colhoun, who I'm sure was jailed for smashing someone in the face with a shovel, we do have tend to have some... Uh, Pretty choice signings in the past. Um, but yeah, John Martin wasn't a player that I, I ever overly rated at us. And I'm sure that he started off at the Wraith, not like most of our signings. Yeah. Um, we had someone in Danny the 90s Lennon. that was jailed as well. I want to say Halliday was jailed for some assault in the 90s. No one remember that? Well, I'm just saying <laughs> That Dave could be Dave your Dave. next uh, thing on the podcast. You could have Horrible Bastard 11. Mm. <laughs> or just the jail 11 uh, get Sean Fagan in it yeah Paul McManus. aye McManus up front yeah I'm definitely gonna <laughs> oh Gavin Murray as manager we could well, always have Graham Matthew in it because he was murder uh, is, is he not the director of football at Hibs or something like that Graham Matthew he's got some highfalutin position at Hibs I'm sure yeah he's like director Somehow. of football yeah. yeah, and and Doug, you loved that, mate. That was good. No, that was good. To be fair, I lo- I like crap humor. <laughs> Me too. I follow a page on Twitter called Dad Jokes, which is absolutely brilliant. And yeah. my, my new favorite joke is, "What do we want? Low flow, uh, low flying airplane noises. When do we want them? No. <laughs> See, Doug loved that one. On as that, well. on on that note, yeah, I think that <laughs> yes. we need to end now. Yeah, sorry guys. I wanted to go out on a high, so I picked an airplane noise. Anybody got anything else that they're wanting to discuss? 
game-wise. Phil, do you want to plug your new single? I've seen someone drop a, drop a question about that. So, uh, no, uh, just for everybody to keep their eyes peeled over the next week on my social media pages. So, the PG Chaletta social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So, there'll be news coming next week at some point. I don't want to give too much away um, yet, but just, just as I said, keep your eyes peeled. And when are you going to view from a, a terrace? A quick, a, a quick question for Doug, actually. You and Masson's asked, which one of the Beatles would you most like to have a pint with? Um, that would be... Oh, I think I would punch Paul McCartney in the face constantly. I'll go with Ringo Starr, and I'll just ask him, what kind of sticks did you use, Ringo? <laughs> also, he's alive, so that would help. Correct. <laughs> can, I, can I just give a little bit of advice to Phil? Uh, when you're doing your next video, maybe take the camouflage gear off so we can see you because it's 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 very difficult. Ah, <laughs> oh, how, how many minutes we're in? Like I'm I'm, I'm surprised nobody <laughs> cracked that joke in the first five minutes. So I know camouflage gear. Let's just say cool. congratulations to Phil as well for for having a big success with that single. I did play it on the radio over here. I forgot to tell you that, so I need to send you the link so you can you can claim any royalties. Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be great. Um, it's strange you start to see it getting played in the likes of Canada's and Australia. So, um, I for me, it's just it's building the momentum from the last thing. So, getting in the, the top 10 in the charts was great and uh, all, more than I expected at that point. But again, that's the benchmark and it's pushed on and try and get it. And you said they're a view from the terrace. I seen two weeks ago they had a Hibs band on this week, it was Motherwell. So, there's no reason why they can't get an East Fife one on. Um, People are asking for Telstar, but again, that's going to be a hard one because there's, there's no words, but yeah. I'm sure we can fit it in. <laughs> yeah, we'll put some words to it. We could do a rap to it, Lee. <laughs> You've got two people with abundance and experience of rapping here. So look, my only thing, and I've said this to you already, is if you go on, you've got to wear your glory days of gold t-shirt because there's nothing better than getting up with them, the view for the terrace boys, where we have another podcast on you. Yeah, well, definitely, as I said, we'll, we'll make sure we've got that T-shirt on. Representing. Graham Say Gordon, that. do you want to plug any of your singles? I, just I, don't, don't, think, I don't think anybody anybody wants to hear me singing. I mean, I I, I was listening to your guys rap and thinking you were good, so that that's the level I am. So no. Oh, I'll take that. That's a nice way to end, Lee. What about you, Graham? You wanting to promote your practice or see if oh, there's anybody else, any mini lawyeress stuff done? No, no, I, I do. My, the bit of what I do is far too boring for that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, will, I will declare one bit of interest. Uh, the commentator on East Fife TV is my wee cousin, um, but I don't mind just slagging him off. Um, partly because it, because it 2-0 when he went, oh, East Fife are very comfortable now. I just went, don't can say that. Um, <laughs> So there we go. There we go. Um, yeah, a, a bit of a, a change for Stephen Miller this week, but we'll just have to, to to wait and see what happens. But no, gents, thanks very much. Um, unfortunately, neither Michael nor I will be able to watch the game next week. So um, if well, any I, is... I, a I, it's my wedding anniversary, so it's early enough that I could get up and watch it. Well, if you could, if you could get up and watch it, I'll probably pop on and do the the five fan zone with, with some of next week. If there are any is going to put the money into Falkirk, let me know. Just pop me a message on the the social media, and we'll we'll get you involved. Apart from that, you can all piss off now. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. Cheers, cheers, guys.
Thanks so much to all the guys for going up their Saturday night to join us on the Five Fan Zone. I thought that was a, another great one, Lee. Lots of enjoyable chat. Lots of varied chat as well, and that's what we're wanting. If anyone wants to take part, get in touch with us. Send us an email, glorydaysofgold at gmail.com or at glorydaysofgold on Twitter. Great stuff, Lee. Yeah, it's a section I really enjoy because, I mean, we, we, we talked about it a little bit at the end there, how you know, people's opinions on football, on footballers, it can be so varied. You know, somebody can think somebody's a great player, somebody can think that they're not a tosh. So, you know, it's, it, that's why I, I wanted to try and be having a couple of more people on this week to see if we could get any variance. Um, yeah, please let us know your thoughts. And if you are interested, get in touch because it's always good to get a bit of a variety. I think that we'll probably have Mr. Doug Perry himself, though, as one of our mainstays because we, we got a lot of positive feedback on, on Doug's chat last week. So yeah, I think he'll be championing himself as, as a bit of a as a regular. But if he comes on uh, drinking any more white wine in the, the state that he was tonight, he'll maybe not get back. And there was a certain well known Rovers fan that said he was utter pish. But he is his mate and he's allowed to say that. But yeah, let us know as well what you think the kind of optimum number would be for it. Because obviously we had six of us on tonight. Do you feel that's too many? Was four last week with Lee and myself on as well a good number? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with what, what the consensus is as to what you feel would be good. Because obviously we don't want to make it too long. We don't want to make it too short. But we want to get a, a variance of opinions, so different ages. Also, be really good to get any female supporters on as well, just to to add a female voice to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ayla, if you're listening, we would love to get her involved. Definitely somebody that, that knows our football inside out. Um, but when I'd asked her to come and do some stuff before, she said she didn't want to hear her voice. So, you know, if there's anybody else, female fans that are listening, um, do give us a shout. I mean, I don't want to hear Lee's voice every week, but I'm kind of stuck with him now. So I guess that's what, what, we're, what we're, we've got, really. But let's look at how the rest of League One played out today. Now, there was only four games, Lee, because Dumbarton and Clyde was called off because of Warthogs on the pitch, which surprised me because I didn't know the weather was so bad there at the moment. I, I guess it's been pretty crappy. To be honest, when you sent me a message saying that uh, it was called Warthogs in the pitch, I thought, that's a typo and I was going to bring it up and mug you off about it, but it looks like it was intended, so you ruined all the jokes I was going to make. Yeah, that was, that was a big thing from Soccer AM. Way that's back in the day. Kind of oh, nine, yeah. 90s Soccer AM. Tim Lovejoy, early Tim Lovejoy Soccer AM. Yeah, I bet, I bet it was maybe just before my time, but anything would be better than the drivel they're punting now. I haven't watched it for the last two years i stopped watching it. it it just got absolutely terrible anyway don't start me on that so there's four games in league one and some interesting results today falkirk won four for one anton dowd's got his first league goal for the bairns but then the falkirk keeper robbie much got sent off for an off the ball incident jordan allen scored the resulting penalty finished 1-1 our opponents next week i don't know we talked touched on it there in the five fan zone I, I don't know how much they should be feared I don't know if they're just getting off to a mixed start to the season they are still sitting second on four points though. yeah I, I, I honestly don't think Falkirk are great shakes and when we played them last season I didn't think there was much between them but obviously we've not started great um, so look at the, the league already is tight a, apart from Cove the only team with 100% record everybody else are XA peaksy which is what we thought it was going to be so yeah I'm, I'm not scared of Falkirk I, I mean they, they scraped a win last week against Montrose a team that we've just scraped a draw with so I think that literally and I said it in the, the fan zone that any game is the points are up for grabs mm. it doesn't matter who we're playing 
Yeah, as you said there, Cove leading the way, 6 from 6. 2-0 win against Peterhead and uh, are we nearly there yet, Derby? I think that's what I'm going to call it. Mitch Meganson, another goal for him. He's going to be the danger guy this year. It's kind of good in a way that we've got that trip up to Cove out the way first because they look like they're going to be a good team. We've got that out the way. At, at some stage this season, when we're looking at the standings, if a team's running away with the league, that might help us because we just want them to then win every single game and, and kind of take points off everyone. So right now that might be Cove. Of course, Partick's going to have something to say about that. They struggled last week and, and went down to surprise loss, got the first win of the season today, 2-1 against Airdrie. Dale Carrick put Airdrie ahead in the 36th minute. Brian Graham tied it up though four minutes later before Blair Spittle scored the winner on the hour mark and by all accounts... According to the, the Partick Twitter, it's a fantastic goal that you really need to see. And he nearly scored a wonder goal just a few minutes before that. So, I mean, he might be a danger guy for them. But yeah, the, the table sees Coven top, Falkirk second, three teams on three points. We're currently eighth, one point. But there's only three teams with a minus goal difference. We are one of them. That has to be a concern. Yeah, um, but look, we're two games in. We scored two goals today. We scored one goal last week. Um, but we've given up five. We have given up five, but we've given away two penalties. Only one of them has scored. But good to see that um, Mitch Meganson managed to control his shot from last week and slot one in at Peterhead. <laughs> um, but look, that I mean, might actually I think have been that- a shot from last week that ended up going to Peterhead and ended up in the back of the net. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised. But look... <laughs> We could be. We could look at it glass half empty. We, we can, but we're two games in. I refuse to be drawn into too much negativity. We've, we've still got lots of time. We've got so much firepower going forward that I don't think our goal difference this season is going to be where our, our, our issue lies. We just need to stop giving away silly penalties, stop crosses going in, and sort out our left side. So just the simple things. Yeah, Tony, Darren, if you're listening, I'm almost available for coaching pretty reasonable prices too. I like how you said, oh, we don't want to be negative. Did you not just listen to the Fife fan zone? Because that did feel that we were pretty negative in that. Yeah, I think that it's maybe going to be the danger of doing it immediately after the game. Yes, is that absolutely. It's difficult to take the emotion out of it. Um, but unfortunately, due to scheduling conflicts, we can't do it any other time. So, um, And you guys love the, your Sunday morning podcast, so we need to try and get it out on a Saturday night as quick as we can. But look, in the grand scheme of things, let's round off the, this section by saying we weren't terrible today, but we weren't good either. Last week, we weren't terrible, but we made stupid mistakes. And, and I've said it already, I've got every faith in, in Dan and Tony that will we'll rectify this, that will rectify this and, and sort it going forward. Rectify. There's a new word for the day. I, I think, though, it is just the nature of being a football fan. It's like when your team does well, you get swept away with the emotions of that. When the team doesn't do well, and I mean, we got a point today and it was a, a enjoyable game of football. I enjoyed getting up to watch it. But anything that goes against your team, you start to get a little bit down about it. I think it's just what football fans are like. I'm sure clubs know about that. Like watching View from the Terrace this week and I haven't been following all what's been happening elsewhere in Scottish football as much. I didn't know that the Hamilton fans were really on, on the back of their guys and they've come out and said, look, you need to kind of stop being so negative. 
as football fans, it's the same here. As soon as the Whitecaps lose a game, you'd think the world had ended. As soon as they win a game, it's like, oh, yeah, they're back again. And it's the same everywhere. Yeah, but what about Brian Rice? I'm sure that's his name saying, oh, if any fans want to say that, come and say it to my face. Yeah, that's not the best way to, to go about it. And yeah, that's just asking for trouble. You don't want to get into that kind of thing. I mean, we're not quite a Billy Brown territory. At least Billy Brown didn't even say that. Struggling. They are. They are struggling, but they always seem to avoid the drop somehow. This year, here's my prediction, they'll avoid the drop because the season will be null and void. Oh, there's a curveball for you. Mm. Yeah, they, they, they do seem to be the, the sort of nine-lived cat um, of, the, of the Premier League. And th- do you know how we talked about clubs that we just don't like? They're one of them for us. I, I seem to remember them when they were down the sort of third and second division with us. And they're just, they're just a nothing club, eh? They're just, yeah. just one of those clubs. They're a bit like Partick. You're just like, I just don't like you, but I can't tell you why I don't like you. I Yeah, I, I totally get that. I also, when I've... Even like going to the old Douglas Park, the atmosphere of the home fans, it was not a pleasant atmosphere. It's like as soon as their team, and I know we're bad for this at Bayview, but as soon as their team did anything wrong, their fans were on them right away. Similar to Clyde. Clyde were are, are pretty bad for that as well. Just Glaswegians. But that is all the talk about East Fife Montrose for this show. You'll be glad to hear that. We've got more East Fife chat coming up soon with our chat with assistant manager Tony McMinn. So we're going to take a little break, though, from the football chat now to bring you this week's Have You Heard. Some of you might be pleased to know that it's back in Lee's hands for this week. But before we go any further, I do want to point out Lee sent me a message after listening to Glory Hammer last week saying, I don't hate it. He didn't say he liked it, but he didn't hate it. I take that as a success. Yeah, I think you should definitely take that as a success. Um, You know, a lot of the abuse that you've received for your horrendous music choices um, has been completely justified, in my opinion. Um, However, when you built that last week, you made it sound a lot worse than it actually was. And even, even Rachel, who definitely hates your choice in music, said, that's good. My 62-year-old father, I think he's 61 or 62, he's old, um, your old dad said, I really like that song that Michael picked, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, you've, you've got a, a few new listeners, Glory Hammer, and, and hopefully it might it'll get some of the, maybe a, a little note in your on, on the latest album as a, as a thank you. <laughs> I, I mentioned last week that this is kind of the side project of their main band, Ailstorm, who I'd known the name of, but I'd never heard anything by them. So I checked them out this week. They've got videos that's got over half a million views on YouTube. So they've got a big, big following. And all Elstorm stuff are pirate-based songs. I, I really like things with a theme. On this week's AFTN Soccer Show, I'm playing four songs, because we've got four parts, or five parts, and breaks and ads and stuff on the on the radio show. And they're all from a, a concept album about Mongolia. And Genghis Khan coming back to, to life. So, yeah, if you if you want to hear those, tune into this week's AFT and Soccer Show. But that's not going to make Have You Heard? Maybe. But what, what does make it this week, Lee? Yeah, so I have tried and tried to uh, find some new Fife bands, but I'm going to play something that's not a Fife band. I, I, this is a song that I've actually really wanted to play 
um, since we started doing the Have You Heard. So this is from a band called The Howl and the Hum. Um, it's a song that's been in my playlist pretty much from the start of the year. They're, they're very keen like in their, 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 their music. I think that it's an excellent song. Um, I had a few requests from people messaging me this week saying, please, can you get back on Have You Heard? Because at least when you play it, I get some new songs from my playlist. So I'm going to bring you to this week, The Hill and the Hum, and this is their song, Hall of Fame. that was the hill on the hum there with hall of fame let us know your thoughts on twitter at glory days of gold or on facebook as well you'd be pleased to know that michael's only got one week left on his have you heard section then i'll hopefully get back to playing some more um more upbeat stuff on a more regular basis but delighted to speak to obviously phil charletta who is going to be announcing the release of his new single in the coming week so hopefully we'll be able to bring that to you soon too i will point out now that my selection next week because it's halloween It is a horror-themed song, but it's from a band from Methyl, whose lead singer is an East Fife fan 
who back in the day used to write for AFTN. So that's what this section should be about. Yes, I'll give you a pass no matter how terrible it is next week, purely for the the connotations behind it. But after that, I think we're going to have to bomb you out. I don't know. You might like some of my older selections if you let me go old school. And actually talking about old school, I just wanted to give a shout out. On the 22nd, so that was Thursday, this was released on Bandcamp and Spotify and everything like that. It's something called The Lost Cafe Sessions. And it's featuring... 10 bands, I think it is, from the late 80s, early 90s, from Fife. And this was some tapes that were done for uh, the Sound Cafe Studios near Edinburgh. And the tapes were lost, or so they thought, and then they discovered them when they were doing a a clean-out. So they've kind of been tidied up and brought out. A lot of good bands on there from back in the day. Some you might know, Blue on Shock, they've kind of been around for a while. Silent Falls, who were mates of mine back in the day, featured them a lot in AFTN in our pull-out ultra-core local band fanzine. The lead singer, and I think the guitarist, but it might be lead singer and drummer, went on to form Number One Son, the covers band, who I'm sure you will have heard of, Lee. Yeah, I've seen them a good few times, and I'm sure they played a couple of the Player of the Year dances as well. So, I mean, Silent Falls, great band from back in the day. So check that out, just... On Bandcamp or Spotify or whatever, just type in the Lost Cafe Sessions and it's free to download. It's free to listen to the songs as well. You can also chip in a little bit if you want. Money's going to go to charity. So check that out. And if you do like it and if you do want some old school and really melodic and nice songs, not punky stuff, from the late 80s and early 90s, I've got a whole host of those that I can bring you in this section. But let's get back to the football chat now. And earlier this week, Lee and myself got a chance to sit down with assistant manager Tony McMinn, not just to talk about East Fife, but to talk about kind of Scottish football, Scottish development, youth football. It's a, a subject that's very passionate to, to Lee and myself. We'll unpack a lot of what Tony says after you hear him. So let's bring you that now. East Fife assistant manager, Tony McMinn. So delighted now to be joined on the show by the man that was in charge of East Vice's first win this season. He's the assistant manager at the club. Welcome, Tony McMinn. Hi, guys. How are you? So we've got a lot to, to talk to you about tonight, Tony. Well, let's just kick things off but having a look at how it all kind of began for you, especially on the coaching side. Now... I know you were helping out with your dad, uh, Riverside Boys Club. What got you involved in that to begin with? And what made you decide that coaching was actually something that, that you wanted to do? Um, he just needed a hand, to be honest. Um, he had a wee kind of Saturday morning soccer school. So he would always start the youngest team at the club and then move them on to the parents. So he ran the Saturday morning soccer school, took my wee brother's team and that. So I would just go and help with that. Um and then, I don't know if I did decide that, that coaching was something that I wanted to do. It just really happened. I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't, I didn't play as much. Um, when I got to like 19, 20, I kind of um, dropped out it. Um, enjoyed the coaching a wee bit more. And then things had just kind of grown naturally for me. It wasn't like I'd went and studied it or 
you know, always said, oh, I'm going to be a coach, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I've, I've never, never had those kind of aspirations. Ah, what about like playing wise? Like, did you did you play hopeless. youth football? Hopeless, yeah. Hopeless. So like me then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I played kind of youth football. Um, with Riverside was my boys' club as well. Um, had a year or two at, at Cars Fissel, um, who were one of the kind of the better teams in Scotland at the time. Um, boys' club wise and that, but it was one of them. I wasn't. You know, for for somebody that takes loads of training sessions and that, I wasn't the best, the best trainer or anything like that. Um, loved a game of five sides, like maybe three, four nights a week. I'd be playing with like my uncle and then my dad or whatever, um, your mates and things like that. But um, probably futsal would have been something that I would have got in mm. if that was, um, you know, bigger then. Uh, you know, or as big as it is now. Yeah, going to touch on that a, a bit later on, and just also like the box soccer stuff that that I know that, that you're involved with. But, I mean, your time at Riverside, it kind of opened doors for you. Uh, you spent a bit of time in the academies, first at Alloa, then at Dundee United. Was youth football the thing that always interested you then the most in, in getting involved in the game? Yeah, um, I think I've always had an interest for... Um, oh, what is that? That's a gaffer, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. You can uh, mute your mic if you want. <laughs> uh, no, it's all right. I'll just turn them off. He knows I'm doing this as well. It's just the FaceTimes came up on the signal on his house was rubbish, so the FaceTimes came up on this. Maybe he wants to uh, be on. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> Still your thunder. Just want to know how you win a game, how you win a game this year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll cut uh, that out. <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I. What were you saying there? Um, um, I can't even. Mind. Oh, like yeah, youth football. Like, was that yeah. the part of the game that like really interested you the most? Um, yeah. Um, I think in terms of like, I was a support worker as well for adults mm. with learning disabilities and stuff like that while I was coaching. And I, it's something that you know I've always like seen how. People can reach their potential um, and help them maximise that potential and giving them the confidence to do that. Um, and I think youth football, my role when I was a support worker, kind of went hand in hand, um, you know, with that. Um, and as I say, I think, you know, I was I was half decent at that at that level. And that's obviously where Darren noticed me as well. Because, mm. yeah, I mean, you, Darren took you... To, to Albion Rovers and you were the first team coach I know you're involved in the youth side and all the community kind of the bridge between everything as well I mean how did that working relationship then with Darren begin and like did you have any qualms at that point not only like moving from like youth into adult but I guess going from like non-league into the, actually the senior professional game and at quite a high level as well so I first met Darren when he was at Alloa. He came in as a player um, and obviously dropping from, from full-time football to part-time football, he needed a job to balance that off. So he became the head of community at Alloa. Um, and I had to put together an under-13s team. So Alloa's youth set-up only ever started at 13s. So I had to put together that that team. So the first point of call is obviously to look at what you've got in your own community set-up. Um, and we, we took a couple of players for there. Uh, and that's where kind of that, that relationship started. Um, then we, we kind of kept in touch. I'd left Alaba before he did. I'd went to Dundee United. Um, 
but we kept in touch, kept talking, and then initially I was only meant to go in and help him for a couple of weeks at Albion Rovers, so Sandy Clark had agreed to be his assistant, um, but he was over at the World Cup in Brazil, um, so Darren obviously wanted to train because he was going to be player manager, and he just asked me to go in and give him a hand with the, the pre-season, so I didn't really have any qualms in, in terms of going in it, because I wasn't so expected to stay in about seven years later, um, it was only meant to be for two weeks. So we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of your time there and your, your role and, and, and what it was like working with, with Darren then. So um, I'm going to ask you a side question, though. Did you have the young boy Matt Izzata, Alwa, then? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was a very, it was actually a very good team. Um, I must have refereed that. some of your games then. Uh, you probably did. You probably uh, did. I was a lot quieter then. I'm quieter at a youth <laughs> game than I am at a, a senior game. Um, but I had Matty and there was another boy Zach Butterworth in that team wee blonde boy yeah um, Zach's now on loan at Edinburgh City for Rangers um, so so what happened was I left and um, the two of them signed for, for Rangers so I got a wee bit of money for the two of them the, the boy Matty I've mentioned it on the, the podcast before because I've seen that he's a free agent now I don't know where he's gone but at that level it was a game against Cowdenbeath that I refereed and he was honestly he, he took the mic, like because he was a centre half, I think. Yeah, he was just he was doubling up the the, the park. And he was absolutely rinsing boys at that age group, catching the ball in his chest, and he must have been like 12, 13 year old. And I always remember his name. I was like, I'm going to remember this kid's name because he's going to go far. Yeah, but now nah, he was a he was a good player. So uh, that he's that is, he's at Bone S Junior now. Eagle Junior. Uh, yeah, he's at, he's at Bone S. So the team below the one Belly's out in Lona. Oh uh, right, right, okay. He, he's in there. Perfect. Right. Let's let's talk about East Fife then, because that's what we've really got here for. So, when Darren got the the East Fife job, did you sort of expect to go with him? Had you had that sort of relationship with him at Albion Rovers that you're like, right, okay, this is a permanent thing now, um, and already contracted to sort of Albion Rovers separately, and we maybe sort of thought you were going to have to stay there. Uh, no, we we were all. I don't know. Do you know the story about us when we left Albion Rovers? Um, no. You could tell. So, I don't. So, so there was still a couple of couple of weeks left in the season, um, and basically I was in full time as well, running the, the community stuff. So I was driving through one Wednesday morning or whenever it was, and, and big Lindsay phoned the goalkeeping coach, and then um, Lindsay's like, "Did you get a letter for the club today?" I was like, I "Don't know. The postman's not been yet. Um, I'm just on my way to work." So like, oh, I've got one. Um, my contract's not getting renewed. Do you know anything about this? <laughs> um, and I was like, "Nah." Um, he phoned the gaffer the gaffer was out of work so he hadn't got his um, then Billy phones Billy got a letter um, so then I've got home I've got a letter waiting for me and then Darren's got home he's got a letter waiting for him wow um, so we, we still you know at the, at the time Darren was still in talks with him regarding renewing his contract um, yeah they had also stopped him that season moving to Alloa right um, when Jack Ross left um, so they asked for like ridiculous compensation, um, even though they had money worries and um, you know could have got a cheaper manager in or you know and a wee bit of cash from. Um, so I, it was it was a strange strange time. Um, so we all kind of knew that you know that we were leaving. I knew I was giving the community stuff up. Knew I was going to go and start them on with the coaching. Um, and then it was just, I think it was a matter of time before Darren was going to get in somewhere, you know, given his reputation that he had after Albion Rovers. But then you don't know if 
you know, he goes in in October saying there's an assistant and a first team coach already employed and, and that kind of thing. So it wasn't set in stone. Um, it wasn't set in stone. And then obviously you don't know what the club would say, whether he was a leading assistant and a first team coach or mm-hmm. what it might have been. Um, and it just so happened that Billy got the East Coast Bride job full time at the same time. So, um, yeah, yeah, he asked me he asked me to come on board with so how did you find going from being first team coach to assistant manager? Was there was there a big difference in the role or was it one that you sort of just took to naturally? Uh, no, I had to do a lot more. You've got to do a lot more. Um, you know, um, Billy and Sandy Clark at uh, Albion Rovers would take a lot of the, the training, you know, as well as Darren. Um, and I had to go and, um, you know, I'd just do the warm-ups and deal with the subs and, you know, all oh, the the no very nice things sometimes. And um, you know, you're dealing with subs before a game, and they're like, "What am I not playing for?" And all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's part of the learning process. So um, I think after seeing how Sandy and Billy did the job for the three years that we were at Albion Rovers, and it stood me in a good good place to, to go and do it. So I mean, you've been at the Fife now for for a couple of years. What's your thoughts? How do you enjoy it as a club? Everything's done for you. It's brilliant. Like genuinely, that that first day Albion Rovers, we went in. There was no training kit. There was twenty footballs. I don't think any of them were the same. It was like twenty different balls. Um, you come here and you know, first day of preseason, Davies got your kit laid out for you. It's, you know, they, they just can't do any more. It's so well organised, and you know, the, the first impressions were great, and it's it's continued like that. And, you know, right throughout COVID and everything like that, they couldn't have looked after any of the staff any better. I think that you'll probably have seen a much different East Fife than what we were probably used to a long time ago. And and, and Michael will, will be testament to that. You know, we went through a lot of turbulence and, and the club that you're at now is completely different to the, to the one that we grew up supporting. And certainly, you know, I think that the, the board now, because there's so many fans on it, it makes such a difference because obviously the club's at the forefront of everything they do rather than looking after themselves financially. So, I mean, in terms of ambitions, so Dan sort of made it known that he's wanting a crack at full-time football, but obviously you've got your, your own business as well as your, as your franchisee. So is that is it your ambition to go with him? Are you going to defancy a crack at full-time yourself or maybe even Tony McMinn manager? Um, I'm not sure about the manager stuff. It was good being in the dugout for a couple of games, but if you'd seen me last Saturday night after the Rafe Rovers game, then um, <laughs> uh, I wasn't, wasn't um, very talkative after that, put it that way. Um, mm. But I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Certainly the, the management stuff, no for now. Um, you know, no in this country either. Like, I, I think there's a big thing in this country where people who haven't played the game are they recognised in the same way as they are in, in say, Canada or Germany and and stuff like that? Um, you know, what was it? Um, they, they were called, I was listening to the, the Cy Ferry one the day and they are like, oh, these specky scientists, well, that'll be me then. Eh? Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's just no recognised that way. You know, whether I went abroad or whatever and tried some that, I don't know. Um, and again, depending on the situation with Darren, if he, he was to go full-time and you know, clubs might allow him to bring his own people in, they might not. Um, so it's just the same as my coaching has been all the way through. I, I'm not going to say I want to do this or I want to do that because that's not really in my hands at the minute. I'll just work as hard as I can and see what happens. Does it not irk you a little bit that obviously you, Scottish football is very much a jobs for the boys mentality? 
you know, you've got to play to any sort of level to get your foot in the door. But even then, that doesn't even really guarantee you a job. If we look at some of the, the people that we've had on the podcast, like Greg McDonald, who's, who's had a crack at management, struggling to get back in. Gary Naismith, struggling to get back in. You know, the, there's people that do have sort of stature in the game that can't get in either. But then there's the sort of same people get touted for the same jobs mm-hmm. when they failed miserably over and over again. It must be a frustrating industry to work in at times. I suppose you could say that's how I met Darren and how I got my opportunity. Um, but what I could say that, that I've done, and you know, I, I remember saying to somebody after we won the league at Albion Rovers, you know, oh, I'm really lucky being in this situation. And their response to me was, no, you've worked really, really hard to be in this situation. And I don't think some ex-pros need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that there, there's a B licence that they can just go on and after six weeks they get their B licence. It's a year-long process for most other people. Um, you know, or, or longer than that because you're going through level 1.1, 1.2 and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, they've got a place in the game and they, you know, they, they, they know wee things that maybe don't or they've seen changing rooms and that, but there's, there's so many things outside football now that can be related to, to coaching and management that you know, I think have got a place in the game, eh? Yeah, I think as well, like an assistant manager's job, it encompasses so much and it can be so different at different clubs. But when I think of assistant managers, I think of Peter Taylor with Cluffy, I think of Archie Knox with Fergie. It's like the right-hand man. It's like they, they work really closely with each other. Then you've got other situations like here. We had Carol Robinson, former Welsh international he was Mr. Nice Guy and the player's friend, but he was the head coach. His assistant was the bastard and like ripped everything off them and was like the pit bull kind of person. H- how does the relationship with you and Darren work in that regard? Is it like good cop, bad cop? Do you take all the training? Because I know it's a lot of assistants end up doing that. I take a, I take a fair bit of the training. We, we kind of share it, to be honest. Um, we'll meet if training's at seven in the Orium. We'll meet about four, half four. And, and we're there early going over training, seeing who's coming in. And with the COVID regulations and that, it's, it's been mental trying to figure out who you can have training. What, mm. You know, you can have one group of 18 or two groups of 10. But if you have two groups of 10, they can't mix together. But all that kind of stuff to consider. But um, what, what people don't see in... in yeah, my partner of one sitting in another room, like they they would tell you and Dan Dan's partner Louise would tell you like as the two years talking to each other at eleven o'clock at night, once mm-hmm. everything else has been done. You know, once you've done your day job and all of that kind of stuff and you're maybe still on the phone at twelve and, and that kind of thing. It is I, people say it all the time, a part time role is a full time role, mm-hmm. really. And it is and it's all encompassing and uh, I we we share as much as we can if you know, Darren's got to work and something needs to be done. You, know, you need to go and speak to a player if you're signing a player or that kind of stuff. Then we'll, we'll share all that and help each other out as much as we, we possibly can. I, I was actually going to say that to you. It's like you're at a part-time club, but it's not a part-time job because you're you're watching game tape. You're watching like reserve games or I know you'll have scouts and stuff doing things as well, but I, I don't think folk fully appreciate just the work that goes in to to running a part-time football club. Everyone thinks, oh, they train two nights a week, that's it. It's way more than that, isn't it? Oh, it's a lot more than that. Um, a lot more than that. Uh, I think 
like even last week, probably the only night I didn't do anything for his fife was Monday. I was out watching Belly at, at Boness on Wednesday night, and you were training Tuesday, Thursday. As you say, you're watching the videos, and the club have got huddle, and the, the kind of online platform that our games go on, and then Jamie and Fallon tags them. So you're then looking at individual player clips as well as the game and, and that kind of thing. And I, you don't stop. Um, you don't stop. And you don't switch off. Yeah, because I've had a lot of chats with Mark DeSantis, who's the the Whitecaps coach here, just about what his week looks like. And he says he during the season he hardly sees his wife, he hardly sees his family. He has to make sure he allocates one or two hours a day that he just spends with them. Because he's watching maybe four games a day. He's reviewing game tape from the, the last game. He's like scouting the opposition. And it, it's just it's such a, a big job in modern day football. And I think going then back to, I don't think you necessarily have to have played the game. Because it's all different now. You've got all the guys that's looking at the financial side of it. And then the, all the stats guys that break everything down. That, all the XG stuff and... I mean, how much does a club like East Fife put into that kind of thing? There, there was a book, which I don't have kicking about at the moment, that I, I was in the middle of reading, which is just analysing all that side of it and just breaking down player data and just everything like that. I mean, does a club like East Fife, do you get involved in that aspect of it? Bits of it. Um, bits of it. We've got, you know, um, Jamie will send us the stuff. And a kind of matrix, and it tells us, you know, people's past completion, and you know, we've changed it for past direction and th- this year as well. And you know, rather than somebody just being safe and going back the way all the time, you know, are they playing forward? What distances are um, is their pass? Uh, I like all that kind of stuff. We, you know, we also break down where we score goals from, where we concede goals from. And we've got a guy in Milligan, um, Ian's brilliant. He, he does. A bit of stuff for us. Um, he's a lecturer at a college, but um, you know he'll do short maps and and all of that that kind of thing as well. Uh, and it helps. It just helps you build a picture and helps you build training sessions and and that kind of thing. A lot of people in Scottish football are maybe stuck in the past, but this is where football's going now. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly it. And you don't need to have played the game because I mean let's let's be brutally honest. A lot of Scottish footballers aren't the brightest. So for them to get their head around that kind of stuff, it's a bit above a lot of the guys that that's played the game. I think the ones coming through now will be used to it. You yeah, know, your ones, your yeah. ones that are like early twenties and that they they'll be used to that. Um, we're very lucky that we've got a group that buy any that kind of thing. You know, um, even your your older ones, um, Aggie, Kev Smith, and that they they like that kind of stuff. Chris Higgins is mad for it. You know, like um, Chris Higgins could be up talking to you like all night about football. He just absolutely loves it, and you send him through. Oh, Higgy, what do you think about this? Like, and he'll just he'll go away and um, you know analyze it to death. Uh, so we've we've got a great group for that. They buy into it, um, and we've slow, slowly drip drip fed things into them as well, so that it, you know wasn't overloaded, um, and we could see how they liked it. So now we know they like it, then we'll mm-hmm. use it a wee bit more. I, that, it fascinates me that a club like ours gets that involved in it. I, 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 I thought we would to an extent. I don't know about you, Lee. I mean, did, would you have expected us to be like looking at stuff like that? 
Uh, maybe on Football Manager. Um, I don't think that they've gone too much into it otherwise. But I mean, no, I, I wouldn't have had any idea that that's a, the level of the, the detail that we were going into. So that was one of the reasons I was so interested in, in getting Tony on because I know mm. that Gavin speaks so highly. Um, maybe not to your face, Tony, but. Um, no, that's nice to know. This the sort of deeper side of the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was one of the reasons I was quite interested to get you on because I think that, you know, we could speak to the manager all day and, and challenge him on his decisions and that sort of thing. But when we get somebody like yourself on, we could maybe get a little bit more uh, behind the scenes stuff um, that fans actually know what's going on and, and just how hard your guy's job is. I don't think every coaching staff would would do that. And that's just the way, mm-hmm. you know, just the way we are. Um, it's maybe, I don't know, for me, I've always wondered if there's a little bit of, because I've not played, see if I can show people this data to justify what I'm telling them. There's, there's yeah. no hiding place for them, eh? Yeah. They, they, they can't they hide from it. Um, here is what you have done in this game. Um, here's here's the facts. Here's what you've done in the last 10 games. That, you know, you need to change to do this or you know, keep or keep doing this. You know, this this is where you're you're most effective. I, mean, I I love having like conversations like this. I have a lot of them out here. Like during COVID, when it was a lockdown, it gave me the chance to have more in depth chats before in the game here, and then we started doing this, and I, I've kind of loved it. I've kind of taken us a little bit off what the question tracks were going to be, so I'll get us a little bit back on it. Now you, you touched on your your qualifications and your your coaching. And then I was listening to another podcast that that you had done before we chatted to you. And you mentioned that you basically had to go through the UEFA A. It was like you didn't really have any option whether you, you wanted to or not once you, you were getting into to doing first team coaching and stuff. But I know from speaking to the guys here that's done it, how intense it is. And we've got guys here that's also done UEFA Pro and it just, it seems all consuming. I mean, what, what is it like going through that? It seems so intense. Yeah, it is. Um, it's the more they're running about and they, they're taking part in the sessions because there's maybe 30s in a group, but you've got to be the runners for each person's session as they're going through it. But when i done the B and A, I done my knee in the second day of both of them. So um, <laughs> I wasn't running about much. The, the A licence, it was just a rubbish pass the gaffer gave me. Um, <laughs> and uh, I overstretched for it and had to get carried off the park. Um, <laughs> Uh, but so so I didn't do too much running about. But I, I think at the stage I went in, I had probably been coaching at, at a very good youth level for five or six years, and I was more than comfortable going on it, um, and and I felt more than comfortable delivering the sessions that you had to deliver to to pass. Um, I could see why somebody who's you know maybe not coached as much or you know, that kind of thing might find that a wee bit more stressful, you know, if they're not taking a lot of sessions or maybe still playing, could could find that hard. Um, mm. But I remember phoning, phoning Brian Grant and when I was on the B licence and he was like, how are you finding it? I was like, I think I'm missing some here because I'm not picking up as much as I thought I would. You know, and that's when he said, this is, well, it's because you're already at the level this is aimed at. Uh, because at the time, you didn't need the qualification to, to be at that level. But you pick up some great, great things. You meet good people on the licenses. Um, the best license I've been on in Scotland was a youth license. It was, it was tremendous, and I think it's because also it was like a smaller group, so the tutors could put more time in you and, and help develop you that way. Um, you know, and on that, there, there was 
some really good people in that as well. Youth football in Scotland. So you don't like do, say somebody was wanting to to get into one of the academies at any Scottish league club. Do they have to have coaching badges and licences, and at what level? I believe you now need to have your elite UFA license. Right. If you're if you're coaching thirteens and above, or your children's license below that. Um, so so they need to have two people at each age group with those licences. Interesting. You, you can have maybe a volunteer or or somebody on the staff that doesn't have it, but you must have those. You must have those licences. Whereas when I first went to Dundee United, I think I had like the C licence or the, the old level four as it was known. Um, and I was there for, as I say, a, a good while before they changed the criteria and, and Dundee United had to put put us all through it. Interesting. I'll, I'll circle back on that a little bit later with another question that we, we've got coming up. Like your coaching style then, from what you've learned from coaches you've worked with, from what you've learned on basically the, the courses that you've been on, how how would you describe your coaching style? I think I try and relate most of my sessions to the game. You know, so uh, I'm not one for just going putting a passenger on for the sake of, like, part-time football in Scotland was basically, you turn up, you do rondo boxes, passing, maybe a possession games and you go home. Um and I think that's still maybe what a lot of part-time players want. But, you know, we, we're we maybe trying to change that a little bit. We want training to be fun. We want it to be enjoyable. But we only work with players for three hours a week. So we need to get as much information into them as we, we, we possibly can. Um, so we try and make our, our drills related, related to the game. Um, you know, there's no point in... You see a lot of teams will do shooting exercises for, like, outside the box. And things like that. What's the point in shooting for outside the box or practicing that all the time when very few goals are scored from there? Um, you know, and then you know, I can I can go and get a shot map and show the players where we actually score goals from, and this is why we are doing this practice. Um, so I, I think it's I think I'm quite thoughtful in what I do. Um, I'm quite demanding as well of you know particularly younger players. Um, I'm demanding of them because they can still go and kick on in the game again. You know, mm. they, they can, you know, our, our young boys could potentially go full time, could make a really good career of it. Um, the older ones, you know, I'll speak to them and if they need to, you know, miss a bit of the session or, you know, whatever, then then that's fine because, you know, they, they're experienced enough to know their bodies and, and get out of training what they need. We're going to kind of get onto the youth side of things then. I'll ask you a little bit about that, then Leo kind of get into the the East Five side of things. I, I want to start, though, about asking you about box soccer. Now, that was actually something, I wasn't that aware of it, but our former assistant coach here was Paul Ritchie that used to play for Hearts. So I kind of became good friends with him when he was out here. So he's down in San Diego now, and he's got a box soccer thing that he runs down there. So that's when I first started learning about it and looking into it. For anyone that doesn't know what it is, sort of describe it and where you see that fits in to developing the next crop of young Scottish talent. Essentially, everything's done in a a 24 or 20 by 20 area with eight cones and and three, three defenders, as we call them, because, you know, we try and make the reference to them as opposition players, not just static mannequins. Um, so everything's done in that area. 
the players have to you get loads of touches first and foremost, but most importantly they have to make loads of decisions. You know, there's loads of different transitions in it. If you give the ball away or one ball goes out on one side of the box, you're transitioning to help your teammate on the other side. Um, so it just develops the speed of thought um in, in the in the younger players. Um and I think if probably in three or four years time hearts have been doing it a while, mm-hmm. you'll see their crop of players coming through. Um, and, and really coming through and, and um, you know developing, you'll see that they're, they're technically better than, than than some that are around about Scottish football. Um, Dundee United, they, they don't use box in their curriculum, but a lot of the, the younger players that feed any Dundee United's academy um, come from box soccer as well. You know, so so that's where you you know you'll see a lot of the United players, but oh, they're, they're very technical and. You know they move, they cover the ground easily. It's that'll be a bit of you know that program in it, um, and then obviously you've got you know Ryan Gold, John Suter, Scotty Fraser, um, Scott Allardyce did it that that was with us for a B spell and that kind of thing as well, and they're all that type of player. Youth football in Scotland, football in general in Scotland. I mean, it's something Lee and me have talked about a lot in the show. We're both very passionate about trying to improve the development side of it. Some of our early interviews, we asked the people we had on, what would you do to, to make Scottish football better? And we'll get to that with you. We, we touched on the qualifications there. We seem very far behind in a way in Scotland compared to other countries. Like over here, and I know that the Whitecaps maybe can't be classed the same as all kind of youth clubs in Canada because they're professional. But even down to like under 15, we've got coaches that are UEFA A licensed and they want to put them through that because they feel that's the key time to really start to drill home in what it's going to take to make it in the pros. And there's so many teams out here now blooding 15 and 16 year olds as well because they're, they're like, the only way they're going to learn is like you get them in and you get them to play with, with older guys and older pros, we had it here with Alfonso Davies. Now, lighting it up with Bayern, I first saw him playing as a 15-year-old in uh, under 16, and you're like, oh, this guy's too good for that. Then they quickly moved him up, and then they, they, they were very slow in bringing him on until his last season with us when he was a starter. But that all that stuff just seems to go out the window in Scotland. Whereas in Canada, we've got a big gap between when you finish youth football to making it in the pros, there's not a lot of opportunities for guys to play here unless they go overseas. Scotland, we've got tons of opportunities at that age, but it seems to be at youth level that we seem to be messing up and we're just not bringing... We're not bringing adult-ready adults into the pro game, I feel. Here's a quick example of that before you answer that. I watched Billy Gilmore at Chelsea, right, who should walk into the Scotland team just now with his ability, in, in my opinion, or at least be in the first team getting into that mix. Why is he not in the senior squad now? I know he was injured, but I mean, towards the tail end, uh, the, oh, sorry, towards the start of the COVID pandemic, he was Chelsea's best player every week. But yeah, we put him in under 21s. They, they maybe put him in the 21s to, to guarantee him game time, though. You know, they, they maybe didn't feel it would be worth taking him and giving him 15 minutes here or... I'm not getting off the bench. They maybe wanted them just to get used to to that international camp environment and 
and that kind of thing. That that that's the only thing I think can justify why he wasn't in the the, the senior squad. Um, I think you're right, and and we we always had loads of conversations like this about United with with the guys there, Brian Grant and um, Big Lee Wilkie was there at the time, Stephen Lee, um, that we we wanted our where possible because it, they weren't always going to all, all going to be like that, but we wanted as many kids as we could to be ready for the first team at second because that's when you can debut. Mm-hmm. So at, at 13 and 14, you know, they, they had to be able to express themselves, but they had to realise that, you know, that was within the team environment and that as well. And we would treat, you know, kids as individuals more than focusing on the team. So if, for instance, Scott Banks would be, be a good example. Scott Banks had... Um, injuries and stuff when he was growing and that. So we had to put him back in age. So he wasn't ready at 16, but he was ready at 18, 19, and now he's down at down at Palace. Um, I think Jamie Robson, they put him back in his group as well. Uh, but other ones, you, you, you go and push on and you get them you know, ready for it. Kieran Freeman was always a standout. I know he's he's back and he's on loan at Peterhead. And he was always a standout. He would play two or three years above himself sometimes. Um, and that's obviously where he's moved to Southampton and came about as well. And I think that's what was really good at United at, at the time, that every player was treated as an individual. It wasn't about the team. If you're good enough, you move up. If you need more time, we'll be patient with you and we'll, we'll, we'll hold you back. And and each each player has to have their own journey in youth football. Whereas... Yeah, because they all develop at different times as well and they all mature at, at different times, not just physically, but like mentally. If I put you in the spot and I said, what would you want to change in Scottish football that would make the game better? What would you say? Bigger leagues. Bigger leagues. Bigger leagues. And a lot of people say, oh, it'll lead to more meaningless games. But in their meaningless games, at the end of the season, managers will look to see if their 16, 17, 18-year-olds are ready for the first team for the following year. Mm-hmm. And if they are, they'll get the contract and they'll not bring in, you know, an older player or somebody for England, like there's how many lower league players for England are moving up here than now? It's madness. And, you know, yeah. Um, and I think bigger leagues, less, you know, less chance of relegation and that kind of stuff, less pressure. More managers will be relaxed and, and give youngsters their opportunities. That's, that's very true. I'm just want to stay on that actually. So, I mean, the league reconstruction stuff, especially post COVID, I feel was a massive opportunity missed because, I mean, as a manager, do you not just get sick of watching your players against the same teams? Because particularly at youth level, they're, they're not getting a new challenge. So they're like, all right, we've got, you know, Peterhead again. That's how Peterhead are going to set up. That's the first 11 that they're going to play. So you're not really getting that chance to test yourself or, or test your, your teams at the, at the lower level. So, I mean, how, ideally, I mean, I would like to see us very, very similarly set up to England, three up, three down, you know, two automatically, one playoff, because then they still get their money spinner. But I think that the whole thing seems to be centred around the old firm and they want four old firm games a season. In terms of TV money, yeah, but there's also some clubs that are trying to preserve themselves in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there wasn't many people that didn't want you know, that was at 14, 14, 14. Um, yeah. There, there wasn't many people that didn't want that. 
Um, the players actually were asked by the PFA what they wanted, and that's what they wanted as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it is only a small minority of people in Scottish football that are, you know, potentially holding us back. I'm sure they could have found a way to have to have the, the four old firm games if they, they really wanted them. But that, that is what holds us back in Scotland. It's self-interest. And in a lot of ways, you can understand it because you, you don't want to do something that's maybe going to put your club in financial peril. But for the greater good, which it's easy for us to say, sitting here as like outsiders that don't have money in it and stuff, you've got to look at the bigger picture. And we're being overtaken by so many countries. And... Like we're we're seeing it here in Canada, we've actually put investment in it, and we're developing such a good crop of young talent that maybe twenty twenty two World Cup, definitely twenty twenty six World Cup, we're going to have a really good team out there. We've got players playing in the top leagues in Europe now, and we don't seem to be doing that in Scotland. We're being overtaken by by like a country like Canada should not be overtaking Scotland in terms of quality players, in my opinion. I don't even know like if we need to to speak about it. For the greater good, I just think we need to embrace competition. You know, in any walk of life, if if you get a competitor against you, then you have to go and be better than that competitor. That competitor will want to get better than you. You need to get better than them, and it just drives standards and makes everyone better. But in Scotland, we're and we spoke about this to the board at Albion Rovers when they were there, myself and the manager, and they, you know, these clubs are, are scared of your. Kelties, your East mm-hmm. Kilbrides, with their massive community setups, you know, even your Cumbernauld Colts and things like that, Bonesh and 80 Brocks, but they're scared of all of them. They don't, instead of embracing that challenge and, and changing what you do, they're, they're, they're trying to shun them out a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, but that's all down to the Blazer Brigade. This is, this is my opinion. Is, you know, mm-hmm. people are, are wanting to be still cutting about with their, their SFA Blazers, like your Cowden Beef, your Berwick's. You know, the, the clubs like that that are probably rightly threatened by your Celtics, by, you know, these up-and-coming teams. But, you know, inst- instead of, you know, you're, you've nailed, nailed the head, actually. I'm not even going to try and, and change that. You know, they should be embracing the change and, and rising to the challenge rather than just walling and the sort of own self-pity. But let's, that's enough about Scottish football. Let's get back to, to East Fife. And, and one of the things that I know that you were really looking forward to talking to us about was the, was the youth set up at East Fife. So... We've had a couple of chats now about the, the, the youth set up and, and some up-and-coming prospects that we've got. So is there any players that you think in particular that we should be really looking out for? Um, I don't think that, that that's fair to do, to be honest. Um, it's no very single players. They've the same opportunity. They're all coming from different backgrounds. So you've got some that, that you know, have come out of Fife Elite. You've got some that are coming through the community club. So they're all coming at it from, you know, different backgrounds. Some will be at different stages of their development. Um, we've we've kind of tried to structure it where some of the, the ones in the 20s are, they've only got one year left of 20s. Then some have got two, some have got three. And there's even some younger ones that could be there for for four or five years if they, if they had to be. Um, ideally, you'd want to get them in the first team before then, but if they need that time, then they've got that time to, to develop. If it, obviously, I, I appreciate you don't want to, to single people out. That was just me chancing at me. Yeah. So I hope 
you know, I, I, obviously you've got Liam and Liam and Josh have signed their, their professional contracts. Um, yeah. And, and Liam's debuted and, and you know, did brilliant scored in his debut and that kind of thing. Um, you know, so uh, you know, it's clear to see that, that they're there. But then you've got guys that have been charting the door like Jamie Allen and, yeah. Um, you know, Nathan and Jack that, that came through the community club. So, yeah. I mean, it's tough because, like, as football fans, and it's like this all around the world, I think we just want to see homegrown guys do well. And I think we do put a lot of pressure on young guys, and then the media latches onto them. I mean, look how many Scottish players have been built up by the media when they're in their teens and then they don't go on to do anything. I don't know whether that is just false building them up or whether the pressure got too much for them we we don't manage them properly we don't recognize that when they first come in they're going to have this massive high it's never going to stay like that but they might they'll get back to there at some point but it's never going to stay like that um you know they play without fear for five six games and then they start thinking about what they're actually doing and maybe over analyzing it and that kind of thing that it's not a straight road it's we we actually put a thing up when we, we first started the 20s, a presentation to the 20s and their parents and just say, look, this is what your road looks like. And it was like a mountain that you would go up and then you'd have to come back down and go up the next bit of the, the you know, the mountain. And we signposted that, you know, that, that you might have this high of getting in a first-team squad, then you might have an injury and then, you know, that first-team squad member you were replacing could come back. Um, we just, we, we should put as much, you know, as much expectation on them as we do. Just let them play and, and see what happens. I mean, obviously, I've spoken to you about a, a few of the youth boys that I've seen so far that I, I think have been brilliant. I think that um, Aidan McLaughlin in the game against Glenorthis was absolutely outstanding. You know, Liam Newton against Rovers, strong game. Um, the boy Matheson at centre-back, um, I thought he was excellent in that, in that game. So I think that as these five fans, you know, we, we, we've got a history of bringing through young boys like Fash, um, you know, people of that nature. So Mike was, you know, Quite right. You know, we want to see the, these young boys coming through and, and, and making their, their way into the team. So the next thing I want to ask you about um, is what what's your sort of day to day involvement with the youth side of things? Then what's your? I mean, I know that you obviously have your own franchise with the box soccer and you do the first team stuff, but do you have a lot of involvement in the community? Not so much in the in the community teams. Um, we we had hoped we've done a few in services for them. Um, you know, so I went through and spoke to the coaches about different things and gave them some session ideas and, and, and stuff like that. And we had hoped that this would be the year we'd, you know, we'd put in like a proper programme of events where I would go through and, you know, just um, talk to them and give them some ideas and, and hopefully they would they would maybe get something out of it. Um, but, you know, obviously COVID's put, put pay that. Um so no, not so much. I mean, I'll speak to Dave Heddle, who who heads it up um, nearly every day because he's involved with the twenties as well. So I know what's happening in the community, and I'll support it and and kind of any way we can as you know as well. Um, but you know, kind of Dave, Stevie, and Brian, I just leave to you know take the twenties team. I've told them and spoke to them about you know what I expect you know from from a young player coming in. Um, how I think that they can structure their training sessions to get the best out of the young players. You know, we want them spending a lot more time as in small groups on individual practices as well, rather than maybe a traditional first team training session that that you would get. It's 
you know, it's got to be as much as they're a team, I'm no bothered and the chairman's no bothered if they win the league or anything like that. It's about getting players through at the end of that. Um, you know, in the pathway, including the 20s, like Dave was saying to me, there's, there's nearly 400 players in the pathway, you know, from the, the 2016s are the youngest ones that have started now all the way through. And it would be great that I know they've got plans to treat it more as an academy and, you know, have certain people at, you know, as head of maybe children's and head of youth and that kind of thing. So they've got good plans and it's going to help raise the standard of the 20s in the future and also then raise the standard of players coming through for the first team. And how do you rate that sort of Fife Elite setup? Because on, from the outside looking in, it's not one that I particularly like because you've obviously got the, the clubs that are bigger than us in terms of Dunfermline and Wraith. Did they get the first bite of the cherry with being higher up in the league? Or do we just say, no, we want him and we could try and get him in quicker? I, I, I don't understand how it really works. I would just like to see us have, you know, get our own players in and then develop them. You you can so um, Bill Hemsley's brilliant. He'll invite us, you know, myself, Paul Smith, uh, Craig Easton, and Greg Seals to the games and that kind of thing. And we can look at the players they've got. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, the likes of Aiden and, and things like that. Dunfermline and Rafe Rovers both liked them, but you know, we were able to sell our pathway to them. Um, and for a young player, you know. Do you want to Dunfermline and Rafe with, with loads of bodies there? Or are you better going like Liam Newton has to college? So he's doing an HND. Um, he gets to train full-time at the college as well. as he sessions with us? He gets sports science. He gets S&C there. But he'll come out being able to go in a third year at uni. And he's still in a first-team environment. So we just need to sell our pathway to them differently. That to me is something that like we've talked about this in a couple of previous shows with folk. A lot of the clubs here for the young guys, they put them through a university program as well as being involved either in their academies or their under twenty three setups. Is is that common in Scotland or is it becoming more common? Because like hearing that Ryan's like doing that, I mean that for me is the way forward. Because at least you're getting these guys an education, so that you know how many folk don't make it. In the in the world of football, at least they've got an education coming out of it. I don't think it's as common as it should be. Clubs will have tie-ins with colleges and things like that, but I don't know how much it's pushed. I think it should be pushed a lot. Um, you know, they should be made to spend two, three afternoons a week on their education and, mm-hmm. and preparing for life after football. Um, I know Chris Higgins; he's the education officer at. PFA Scotland bangs his head against the wall sometimes with, with some of the clubs. You know, he'll try and put as much support on and it's it's not always taken. Clubs are, are better than others, but there's no joined up approach within Scotland. Mm. Mm. That's disappointing. We, we should really get Higgy on the show late to chat about this because I think this would be a fascinating discussion. We, we've talked about having a show. And you'll not, you'll not get him off. That's fine by me. So it's us. You'll not get He talks all day, honestly. <laughs> Well, we, I think our, our longest podcast was just over three hours. We can try and beat that. Might have to do that as a two-parter. I uh, make sure I'm off the next day because that one with David Clark, I think it was about half past 12 or something like that. I got to my bed that night. So let's, let's, let's make sure I'm off the next day. So let's get into the nitty-gritty of this season. I told you I was going to ask you some questions about yep. what we witnessed on Saturday. So 
first competitive game um, against Cowden. Brilliant for these five fans. Gave them a doing. You know, another Dabry uh, went to, to add to your scalp list, which has been great for us, by the way. And, and as a as a fan base, we thank uh, you and Dan wholeheartedly for that because certainly growing up as an East Fife fan wasn't the easiest. So um, making my, my adult life a little bit better. Thanks very much. But um, if we have a look, obviously, past the Cowden game, 2-1 against the Rovers, obviously a team higher up. Um, and a game that, you know, Rovers typically scored very, very late on to, to edge us out. And then the game on Saturday against Cove. Now, I, I said it to you myself, I just didn't think that we were at the races from, from the get-go. There was a lot of sort of ill-discipline, slack passing and stuff. How do you and Dan look at that going forward? Like, right, that, what are we going to do to address this? Firstly, I left it to Monday to watch the game again. So that, like, well, obviously in Saturday, so um, so that that kind of emotion and all of that was was out of it. Um, and watching it back, if you watch up until the sending off, wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And um, I think the the events that happened in the game maybe make you think that our performance up until the the first red card was you know poor as well. Um, after it's hard to go and get a foothold in the game. Um, I felt that Waldo and Jack, we, we deliberately kept the, those two up. We felt we could get their their back four and they worked really hard and, you know, when I'm lucky maybe, you know, to, to take another couple of chances. Um, but ultimately, we've got to defend better. We've got to make sure that that frustration doesn't come out in the players. Um, I think they were, they were frustrated with the referee before the red card, um, never mind after it. And then, and, and what continued to happen, um, and they, they, you know, made the point of they can't let that, that affect them. And one of the things this team has had is what well, we did have last year, and is a really good disciplinary record. Um, I think we maybe only had one sending off last year, is that right? Um, the last, very last game, it was Ross Davidson. No, no status on this chat. Like we are uh, not even <laughs> go for that. I can tell you about uh, sending but, off in the nineties, but it's like the last couple of years now. Well, I'm looking at a stat recently that Aaron Dunsmore was the most carded player in the league last season. Aye, but we're all good fouls, should mm. we say? Yeah, um, you know he was very rarely was it for a late tackle or or no even descent. It was like you know he maybe breaking up an attack and and things like that. Um, one or two of them. You know, you speak to Dunsey about it, might be out of positioning, could have dealt with it slightly better, but you know, he's prepared to make a foul when he has to um, and break up play. And I think last year we were far too nice. Um, We just don't want to be going completely the other way this year. I don't know if you watched that Jose Mourinho documentary on, sorry, the Tottenham All in One, uh, All in Nothing one, which I thought was absolutely excellent by the Michael. If you've not watched it, definitely watch it. But he said, he says in that, you know, you don't win anything with a team of nice guys. You've got to be C-bomb um, yeah. you know, to, to really get that. And I just wondered if maybe before the game, if that was maybe on the team bus on the way up and I just went, oh, I'll tell you what then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, that that was another thing. We all had to travel ourselves up there. Well, that'll be right, of course, with the... Oh, the, the, the yeah. we, all, we all had to travel ourselves up there. Um, That's right, because Aggie went past me on the, the Joe Carriageway on the way home <laughs> and what only looked like selling out of Back to the Future because that's a nice motor that he's got, some big 
four by four Mercedes looking bad boy. I mean to get myself into the personal training game. I think if I'm going to afford one of them, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what he did because like I left after them and then like they passed me at Perth and I was like, where are like, I don't know what they're doing on Look for a cheeky yeah. McDonald's. That's they'll, definitely. They'll be away for a, a chippy in Stonehaven. You can't <laughs> go all that way and not have a chippy in Stonehaven. Uh, either that or him and Waldo were still chasing the referee or something. Um, and there's a good there's a good chance of that. I, I mean, I, I absolutely love Ryan Wallace. I loved him in his first spell at the club, and I, I love him now that he's back. But God, see when there's no fans, you can hear every moan throughout the game. He's, he's definitely a, a vocal player. I hope uh, Jack Hamilton wears earplugs when he's playing the 90 minutes because otherwise he's going to come off with a migraine. <laughs> he, he, he'll be good for like so Jack and Thomas though because you know, he'll, he'll not let them away with anything but he's actually very good at talking to the young ones and talking them through a game and that as well. Like he's, he yeah. is money um, but that's you know, what we had him at the Rovers and then Obviously brought him here, so we knew what we were getting um, yeah. from him. Um, but I, I think Saturday, in terms of discipline, will be that'll be a one-off. Um, yeah. It's knowing the nature of of that group of players to to be like that. Well, I, I know you've mentioned to me that you've, you've listened to a few of the shows and stuff that we've done, and I don't know if you heard the, the comments that I made on Saturday. At eleven versus eleven, it was eighty peaksy. There was there was nothing in it, but you know. We need to keep the head in like every game because every game's a cup final for us this year, and it has to be. Um, because the, the quality opposition that we've got, I don't think I've ever seen a tougher league in any of the leagues that we've been in. Um, so we, we've got to be at the races pretty much every game. So I'm going to ask you another question. So the fans are still sort of crying out a bit to, to see an addition at left back. Um, now, we love Pat Slattery. We're not criticising Pat at all, and that's not how I want this to come across. If Pat listens to this, I love you. I think you're a great player. But I think that we still potentially look, need to look at strengthening at left back. Um, is that something that the club are looking at still, or is it a case of we're happy with the squad that we've got? Marcel and Dan get inundated with, with players um, all the time. But it's finding one within the club's budget yeah. Firstly, and also one that's as good as, if not better than Pat. And yeah. we've tried a couple. Yeah, I noticed that there. Uh, uh, McLeavy, yeah. um, and yeah. Church last season, who uh, for some reason I heard on trial at Dundee. I have no idea he, how that is. He's in at Falkirk now. Right, okay. He's in at, he's in at Falkirk on trial now. Um, yeah. So we'll not bring in in just for the sake of it. Um, yeah. You know, we we'll, we'll, We've never done that. We, you know, we wouldn't waste money for the sake of wasting money. Even if, you know, somebody said, "There's oh, there's money here for you. You can spend it." Then there's no point in doing that. Um, you know, every day we bring in now needs to improve the squad. Um, it was that that competition, but that I was speaking about earlier. It, it's something that we'll, we'll look at in every position. Um, but it needs to be the right player. Yeah, it it's funny. The right, the right player that comes up. I don't know if any of you have seen that Dick Campbell interview that's been cutting about on social media today. I was absolutely killing myself at that. He's hilarious. Was and it the did... one from a view from a terrace? Yeah. He's yeah, about... I just watched that last night. Is it the five rules for being a manager? And it's like pretty much, you only bring somebody in if they're better than what you've got. Otherwise, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing it for? <laughs> he's just <laughs> so straight down the line. Um, but no, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, if, if we're going to be bringing in players, then it needs to be not only the right, you know, you've got to take so much into consideration 
right person for the team dynamic, right person to, you know, provide a challenge. You know, and I think that that's where I was surprised when we bought, brought Jordan Hart in because I'm like, you know, in my humble opinion, Brett Hart's one of the best keepers in the league. You know, why? sorry, Brett Long's one of the best keepers in the league. Because you know, he's why, a wrestler. I know, I, I was going to say, the best there was, the best. <laughs> Uh, two weeks in a row of full pad in this show, man. Jesus. <laughs> um, so you know, we're, we're you couldn't even a... think of Kevin Smith's name last week. Oh, honestly, see, having a kid that just he's, ruins everything for you. He's, for, he's forgettable, <laughs> isn't he? <Kev? laughs> to be fair, he's, he's you said it yourself, he's after your job, mate. So, <laughs> <laughs> you watch what you're saying in this show. Um, but you know, it's, it's good to see that we are only bringing in players that are going to provide that bit of competition, so there's, there's definitely. Yeah, there's, I could understand why we've not just brought somebody in for the sake of it. So I want to ask you to stick your neck on the line, right? <laughs> I recently seen that there was um, the betting odds released for the league and that East Fife were um, out at 28 to 1 um, for the title. Now, I'm not going to come in here and expect us to win the league. I would love to see it, but you know, I'm, I'm realistic as well. If you were a betting man or could be a betting man, where would you hedge your bets on us finishing this season? Got to be around about that playoffs thing, you know, man. We've, we've got that's what we've got to aim for. But I genuinely believe that this league will be as tight as it's ever been. And you're probably looking at maybe up to eight teams. Yeah, you know, be, being involved in the last third of the season now that could go down or could make the playoffs. Mm. I think that that'll be that tight. I think people take points off everybody this year. Um, and I'm saying eight because you expect the two full-time teams to, you know, with, with the strength they've got and the budgets they've got to, to kick on. Um, but everybody else, I think, will be, will be taking points off each other. I mean, look at the two full-time teams that we had in the league last year and Falkirk and Wraith, and, and, we, and we matched them. So yeah. I, I don't think that it's beyond the realms of possibility that we could, you know, be challenging them all the way. I, I don't think that that's, you know, too much of an ask. But, you know, I've, you, you kind of sat on the fence there. So let me pull the splinters out of your backside. I want a position, <laughs> right? If you, if you had to put your, your mortgage on it, if I said to you today, right, pick a number in the league, where do you reckon that we're going to be? We'll be... Third, fourth, or fifth, we'll be, we'll be up there. We'll be up there. Um, there. There's too many teams at the minute. I don't know what what mm. they'll be like consistently. Um, but I know what we what we'll get out of this group of players. Um, you know, I know what they like. You, you were talking about the the derby and you know the, especially the Rafe games. Um, and that was something that that I said to them before the game on um, at, at Starts Park. That group have made it a derby. Yeah, that group of players have made it a derby, and you know, for Stephen Stanley for thirty odd years or so, and we hadn't we hadn't yeah. beaten them, um, and that group have done it consistently. And, and Paul Smith actually referenced that in his um, interview after the game. It was the first time they them him and John McGlynn since we went back had beat East Fife at Starts Park. Yeah, um, you know, so I know what they'll give, and it will be more than more quality and more discipline than we got on Saturday. Good. Great answer. And I know I asked you for one number. He gave me three, but we'll let it <laughs> Since you're such a top man, mate. So that, that's actually a really like what you said there is so true. The play players and the team's performance is what makes a derby. Because if you're not competitive, 
the other team, the perceived bigger team, don't look at it as as a derby. Like we have it here, Cascadia Cup. It's Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver. In Vancouver, we're like, oh yeah, these are our big derby games. We don't beat them. So the other two teams, it's like, yeah, we don't care about them. We're like the third wheel. But if we started winning, then they'd care. And that's that's what makes a derby. It's funny because a lot of my race sporting friends are saying to me, we don't consider East Fife the derby. We yeah. consider the derby. And then when we started beating them, it started to arc them more. Yep. And then I'm getting to get it up your messages that I haven't had for years. Whereas for years, our derby was cowed and beef. But see, now I'm thinking, well, I didn't really care about cowed and beef. I care about the Rovers. So yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely, you know, bang on there. Absolutely bang on. So that was his Fife assistant manager, Tony McMinn, chatting a, a lot about the club, but also just about youth development in general. And a lot of stuff in that, Lee, that really interested me, really fascinated me. Hopefully the listeners thought that as well. But I genuinely, I know we say this all the time, but genuinely enjoyed that chat. Yeah, it was great. You know, Tony's um, from the times, the few times that I've met him, he's, he's a really, really top guy, really likable guy. And, and I love his vision of the game. I love the way that he speaks about it and very very similar to, to our ethos about what you know what we think that um, should be happening in youth football what I found really interesting was is, is what he talked about a bit about the community stuff and how many players seem to be coming through um, mm. with the community so I managed to get a breakdown of what that looks like so there's 377 players wow. 23 teams 65 coaches and reps the youngest youth group were born in 2016 the oldest in 2003 Amateur team um, Methyl Hill Strollers have, have been brought in as part of our um, community outreach as well as an over 35 team and a walking football team. The community team now has two full-time players and five part-time players. The community programmes are player development programme, um, creative player, fitness programmes, FFIT, game time and talk time um, are open to all male and females. So there's definitely a, a lot of positive stuff happening beside the scenes. And I, I think that we really need to give Tony and Dan credit for that because that, that really was their baby. I mean, when he, he gave the number during the chat there and just you breaking it down, that's like, to me, that's staggering and fantastic. That's what clubs like East Fife need to do to, to get this homegrown talent coming through. I mean, there's bound to be a left back in amongst 370 odd people, you'd, you'd have to hope. But like joking aside, that is what, the club need to do get a kind of proper academy system and a pathway there's no point having that pathway though if the players don't then advance to the first team and we've already seen that the pathway works a lot of clubs get the pathway is there but then they don't get their chance in the first team so we're different about that i'm very excited uh, about the future for the club one of my big concerns and we didn't mention this during the interview and i meant to with all the COVID stuff, when clubs are cost-cutting, one of the first things that's going to go, and this is what I'm worried about, is youth development. Yeah, but equally, if I think that we are doing it right in terms of the fact that I'm sure that Pfeiffer's for the community is who owns the pitch at Bayview. So any yes. of the money that comes in from that will automatically go into funding it. So realistically, that, that pitch is, is booked pretty solid. They've just started a Sunday night football league down there. Um, so, 
yeah, I mean, I don't think we have to worry too much because although East Fife as a club are providing the pathway, I don't think it's us that's actually funding the majority of it. So I yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't so much meaning us, just in general in Scottish football. I've got a oh, big well, concern. Else. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> hey, we might be in the Premier League at this rate then because we'll have the best pathway and the best development. But I mean, it's fantastic. It just it's another great example of what East Fife are doing as a club. And we touched on the box soccer aspect there. If you don't know much about it and you're interested after hearing Tony there, check it out. It's a great, great system for developing the young guys. Futsal as well. We didn't really delve into it during the the chat with Tony there. That's something we need to start doing in Scotland because all these other countries are doing it. There's a Futsal World Cup and it's like the skill that you're developing at an early age by playing futsal is, is fantastic. I wish they kind of had stuff like that when... When I was growing up, still think I'd have been a shit footballer, but at least I would have felt I'd had proper training. Maybe that's all I was needing was proper training. Yeah, uh, see, to be honest, I kind of think that where the game gets let down, particularly in Scottish football, is if you're deemed as not good enough from a young age, that's it. There's not really a second chance, um, whereas it might be more beneficial if teams had B teams, C teams or whatever, um, so that if there is maybe a rough diamond that maybe needs a little bit more coaching, that there's a chance for them. Um, because, you know, I, not that I'm ever saying that I was a good footballer, but the, the amount of times that I went to trials for teams and I didn't get packed. And then to be honest, I just sort of gave it up until I was probably about 15, 16, where I got a chance at a couple other clubs. But really, if it hadn't been for the fact that my friends signed for them and then they, got, they took me along to training, I wouldn't have got that second chance. Whereas a lot of other boys that I know that are decent footballers now, as adults, not saying that they would have made like, you know, second or third division type football, but could probably play junior. Um, you know, you're, you're a bit like, you know, why didn't you get that chance when you were younger? But it's because if they've been turned away from, say, speaking locally, like the Mark Inches or the Woodsides or, or, the, or the sort of Glen Office area, if you got turned away from them, you didn't get another chance. Whereas if there was a sort of B team league, who's to know what could be produced through that? And again, there's a pathway there to a, 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 an A team. One thing I want to talk about, though, he mentioned what went down at Albion Rovers. I had never heard that before. To, to get rid of your management team by letter. What the hell? Yeah, that, that's something that I feel like should be really spoken about a bit more. You know, imagine being on your way to training and, and then there's a letter sent to house saying, by the way, we're not renewing your contract. It's complete cowardice um, from the chairman there to, to you know... I, I can't sack my staff by a letter, you know? So, I mean, you, you've got to have that conversation face-to-face and, and explain why things are happening. And it's, it's just a bit of courtesy, isn't it? Particularly, I mean, Dan had been there for a couple of years and done a great job. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I was absolutely stunned when I heard that. It just, stuff like that blows my mind. And it happens over here with, with clubs as well, just the way that they... They treat people, but then you get a reputation in the game. It's like, well, I'm not going to go there. It's like they treat folk like shit. Anyway. Another nothing club, though. True. I mean, I've never liked them. I've never liked Coat Bridge. I've always hated Clifton Hill. So there's another reason not, not to like them, really. The life of an assistant manager in Scottish football is tough. It's a busy one. I mean, you heard that there, how many hours that, that he puts into the club. But I was pleasantly surprised and... I'll be honest, slightly amazed at the club using analytics and also the buy-in from the players, which was great to hear. And I talked about a book there, which I couldn't remember it. So I've got it here. 
which I'm holding up to the camera, which is kind of pointless because we're doing a podcast. But it's Football Hackers, The Science and Art of a Data Revolution by Christoph Biermann. And this is a German guy and he's he's worked at top clubs. I haven't finished it. It's absolutely fascinating. I actually bought this for the Whitecaps manager as a Christmas present. And then I started reading it and I never gave it to him as a Christmas present because I was like, oh, I want to finish that. And I still haven't finished it. So he might get it for this Christmas. I meant, I told him I'd got it to him and he's like, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to read that. When he was away in the bubble with nothing to do, but I'll get it to him for this Christmas. Yeah, maybe just give it an anti-back spray first, though, right? Aye, maybe. <laughs> but that's a fascinating book. If you're interested in analytics, definitely read that. But I mean, for a club like us to 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 use stuff like that, tremendous. Yeah, I was actually really grateful to Tony because after we'd had our chat, he, he sent some of this stuff over. And it was beyond fascinating the level of detail that we go into, you know, the, the sort of stuff you would expect to see, you know, in football manager, that level of detail, or, or maybe even, um, you know, not maybe even, but definitely in the, the top level of Scottish football. I don't think there'll be many management teams at our level that work harder than Dan and Tony, that's for sure. Certainly sounds that way. And we, we talked about this in the, the show as well, but we've got to get Higgy on. He sounds like he's going to be an absolutely fascinating. And I mean, the fact that he's the education officer with the PFA as well, definitely get him on. That's going to be possibly even a two-part interview because I was pretty sure we're going to have a hell of a lot to chat to him about. Well, according to Tony as well, he likes to talk almost as much as you and I do. So um, maybe we'll have to release that as a a catalogue show probably longer than the last Harry Potter book but no um, Higgy if you're listening we'll be getting in touch with you shortly and hopefully we can speak to you soon so we don't have too much more of this week's show to go because it's a long show we're cutting out some of our fun segments so no who are you this week no chocolate digestive or jam but we do want to get to our mailbag what's been filling your sack this week Lee? As per usual, mate, absolutely nothing. Um, there's not been much um, in terms of mailbag this week. Um, I'm just going to give a shout out again to, to Liam Anderson, um, who got me into the Cove game last week. I can't remember if I said that or not, but I thought that I would tell you all a funny story. Um, obviously, I was up at Cove last week. I've not even told Michael this yet. Um, and I have something that as a result of last Saturday that East Fife don't have. No. Something that East Fife don't have. It's football related. Yes. It's obviously got something to do with... Oh, did you get a special commemorative something or other for Cove winning the title? No, I didn't actually, but they should have gave me that. Yeah. yeah, they should have. Why didn't they? Out- outrageous. No, what I got was three points on the way up to Cove. Oh, um, no. I was speeding fine. Um, first one in my entire life. I didn't realise that the road, it, it, it changed a little bit from 70 to 50, then went back to 70 again. But on any 70 road, I always set my cruise control at 68, so I'm just a little bit below it, and I just didn't notice that the... Um, that the speed limit had changed. So, yep, um, if it was in terms of the league position, I'd probably be sitting mid-table by now. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, last summer, I went, I drove from Vancouver to Calgary because Whitecaps had a, a cup game there. It was a great trip. We went to Drumheller, saw the dinosaurs. We did so much stuff. It was a great holiday. Then a couple of weeks later, speeding ticket comes through. It's like, ugh. First one I've got over here. 
I've never never had one in my life. I'm actually devastated. Um, but ah well, there you go. It's, you, you live and learn. So that what turned it to be uh, me getting to the Cove game for free has actually cost me a hundred quid. So raging. <laughs> yeah, that's that's nasty. If you would like to make a donation to these, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pushing it. But yeah, if you, if you do want to. And now you know what all the sponsorship... If the sponsorship starts to go up to 20 or 30 quid a, an episode, now you know why. I, I did get some correspondence this week. Uh, Ian from Leeds, who's a, a long-time listener, but he is a couple of episodes behind, he said. Um, he said he's only just discovered that uh, I'd written about East Fife's run of late 80 penalty defeats for when Saturday comes. And... For anyone that wants to know, it was in a book that they published, which was called It's 12 Inches High and Made of Solid Gold, which is the World Cup trophy. But it is in that. And he said that he loves how this podcast is kind of a modern continuation of the fanzine culture of, of the 90s. He remembers buying The Absolute Game and Final Hurdle and others from Selected Disc and Sport Pages, which I was Selected Disc, I think, was in, I think it was in Leeds. There was also one in Nottingham as well. I know we got sold down there and we got sold in in sports pages down in London as well, which was, was fantastic. He said, after reading On That Windswept Plane, I wonder if the Fife have drawn more cup matches than anyone else. So that's one for the Statos, maybe Stephen Mill, maybe Jim Kerstorfen. Because he says, as well as that run of league first round defeats and penalties in the late 80s, the first five decades of East Fife seemed to involve endless replays amid glorious runs in the Scottish Cup, the League, the Fife and Weems Cup, everything like that. And he said he just feels the play had more draws. And he also recommended a song for Wavelength, which I have played on Wavelength over here, but we will play it in a future Wavelength here. He said, given this, he thinks a good song for Wavelength would be Now Now After Extra Time, by Slough Town fans, Thousand Yard Stare, which is a good song. I think you actually like that one, Lee. And he says, and you'll like this, that for him, the best song played so far in Have You Heard was Sunstinger. There you go. And that's probably because it's one that I picked. So yet another person that's on the Lee Gillis bandwagon for Have You Heard. And just keep it up, guys. I'll, I'll try and hound Mike out as best as I can. But remember, I edit it. So you might think you've recorded a Have You Heard <laughs> and then you sit down and listen to it <laughs> and you're like, what the hell? Why have we got zo- things yeah. about zombies? Again. So, <laughs> again. So n- no more mailbag stuff? Yep, just one thing that I got in the mailbag this week was an email from a gentleman called David Gatherum, who's a listener. So hello, David, and thank you so much for what you've done for us. So David, David works alongside two, two former East 5 players um, and the first one is a a hero of mine, Ewan Donaldson, who has agreed to come on the show down the line, which I'm absolutely delighted about. I'm really looking forward to speaking to him. And the other is one that's been shouted about and shouted about and shouted about. Davey Beaton um, has also agreed to come on the show. I know that I'll um, delight you old codgers and hopefully mm. we'll be able to arrange um, to get Davey on soon. Davey Beaton. I mean, we talked in Five Fan Zone that what we could really do with is a no-nonsense centre-back. That was Davey Beaton. He was a guy, oh, superb. Made a lot of all people's all-time 11s. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll definitely be interested to, to hear him. So that is it for the mailbag. As always, we want to hear from you. We want to know your all-time 11s. We still want to know who your best right-back is that you've seen play for East Fife. Away day memories, Scottish hard men, 
any other new topics you want to give us, send us an email, glorydaysofgold at gmail.com or get in touch with us on Twitter at glorydaysofgold. If you also want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at aftncanada at hotmail.com. That's probably a, a, the best one to get me on. I'm more likely to reply to that. But we've not got much more for this week's show, but it is time for this week's Wavelength. But don't don't switch off. I've selected a song that even Lee is going to like. So Wavelength this week, that's what I've been trying to do, is when Lee plays a song, I'm trying to get a song that complements it. So last week, Lee played truly the iconic and one of the best football songs of all time by any football team from the 1982 Scotland World Cup squad, We Have a Dream. So I'm complementing it by playing a song that was the 1974 Scotland World Cup song, in a way. So that was, for anyone that doesn't know, Easy, Easy. Yabba-dabba-doo, we'll support the boys in blue, cause it's easy, easy. Before bouncing out after three group games. Not quite so easy, it turned out after all. But that is probably my second favourite Scottish World Cup song, I think. It is a cracker. But what I'm bringing you is a song that's using that as a backing track with a little bit of talking over it. It's from a guy called Michael Derrick, who was the lead singer of cult 90s band Prolapse, who you probably haven't heard of, Lee. They're fantastic, very shouty. He was known as Scottish Mick. This is a kind of project that he launched. They're called The George Squares. And this is 74 and 98, Easy Easy. I was living in a world of make-believe When my best friend wrote and told me That there would be a game in Paris City The first time I ever seen Scotland play was in a World Cup final Hamden 92 or 93 and our 16s Scotland versus UAE I've been with my brother the week of 40 to watch the Brazilian boys take some terrible drubbing for some third world country at Burn Park. But this was a World Cup final. We were with my dad and the Rangers then. Half my home team were there. The whole of Hamden was tartan and there was a buzz in the air. At half time we were 2-0 up. We were going to win the World Cup. Reassuring look, we were still winning. One goal wouldn't stop Hamden from singing. Neither would their second. 
Other boys were tiring and my bottle was cold. But we're only gonna get up 15 minutes for lifting the World Cup. The game was decided in penalties, and I decided for what must have been the fourth or fifth time in my life, never to watch Scotland play again. So the George Squares there, 74.98, easy, easy. You can find that if you want to hear more on The Sexy World of Michael Derrick. I'm not sure when it was released. I think it was the early 2000s. It might even have been the late 90s. But I, I think that will be one of the most popular wavelength songs that I've played. But we'll see what Lee comes up with next week. And we'll see if I can compliment that in two weeks' time. But that is it. For this episode of Glory Days of Gold, just before we go, Lee, let everyone know who tonight's sponsor was and where people can find you online. So thanks again to Gordon Henderson, not only for featuring on Five Fans on this week, but for sponsorship. Next week's sponsorship is up for grabs. If we've got anybody that's interested, let me know. A few shows that are available for sponsorship, just £10 if you want to, you know, give our donation to the, the podcast, but shout out your local food bank or shout out your, your work or whoever, or even just shout out yourself if you're a little bit narcissistic, that's absolutely fine too. Um, as to where you can find me online, all the usual places, best place is probably Twitter at LeeG1903. In terms of glory days ago, just search us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Also at AFTN website, AFTN Canada for all the North American staff, AFTN website if I tweet things out in that about East Fife and Scottish football stuff. Trying to keep them separate is hard sometimes, just, just AFTN Canada is the main one to get me on. Also check out both the websites, aftn.co.uk and aftn.ca. And give us a follow on YouTube, the Glory Days of Gold channel, you can search for that. We might put some more stuff up on that soon. Definitely follow AFTN website and AFTN Canada on YouTube. Lots of good football content on that as well. But that is it for this week's show. Next week, it's our Halloween special. Will I put the willies up, Lee? Find out soon. Let's hope so. Will you put the willies up anyone for Halloween, Lee? Rachel? No. That's such a question. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>